podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Tell us about the tattoos. Shut the fuck up, you little prick. But then I've got the phoenix. Hey, prick. I'll take it from Bob every day of the week. Absolute disgrace. I'm sure no one will mind. Move him out of here, then, Darren. Ricky Hatton didn't go over for his fighter because he risked getting abducted and sold into sexual. I never said that. (laughs) Both have been rape victims. Watching Frank Boogley only <laughs> live on Saturday night. <laughs> out of your mind. Jesus Christ, get yourself a life. He's actually a uh, priest. Yeah, yeah. It's because his brother John Fury eye gouged him. What have I told you all this time? He's going to end up sucked out, fucked out, looking for a handout. Boxing, um, Natter's messenger group. Oh, they're gonna, oh, I'm gonna be the king. Jay Bump, you know what I'm saying? Well, hello everybody and welcome to the 469th edition of the Boxing Asylum Nutters podcast. I'm your host, Steve Wellings, and joining us on the call, we have Matty DiGelonardo, and Andy Patterson going live on YouTube from 8 o'clock every Sunday evening. The Patreon RSS feed updates shortly after the show concludes. And hello to everybody listening throughout the week on Apple, Podcasts, Spotify and SoundCloud. Don't forget to leave a review on the podcast player of your choice throughout the entire month of April. Nothing less than five stars is acceptable. Before we get stuck into a great weekend of boxing, some good action, some dire action. lot to look forward to next weekend as well. A couple of questions have got thrown in. Matty... Don't want to do too many spoiler alerts here or spoil some upcoming information you might be giving to our glorious listeners in the chat or listening during the week. But uh, any betting updates from you? How did you get on over the weekend from a, a betting perspective? Uh, you know, some ups and some downs, Steve. Some ups and some downs. The uh, uh, That uh, that uh, that tall fucker kind of screwed me a little bit. Um, I, got, I found some value on Tony Harrison beating Sergio Garcia. Mm-hmm. Um, Harrison's such a streaky fighter. We can touch on that later, but, uh, I'll tell you what, man, my long-term parlay that looked pretty fucking good. Uh, it, uh, it's dead now. So, uh, at least the first leg, it went early and it wasn't in the middle so I can start again and get some more value around that Charlo victory. But that tall son of a bitch and that uppercut, Steve, goddamn, if it didn't fuck me. You Rob. say long term. What what's long term, Matty? What were we waiting on here? Lubin and all. <laughs> so I uh I had in that one I had uh I had Lubin, uh, uh Spence, uh Charlo and mm. uh Stevenson all the win. No no method of victories, all the win. And that was I don't know, four or five to one or something like that. So we'll start again, Steve. We'll start again. 
Or maybe we shouldn't, but there you go, Matty will continue betting. <laughs> Bet responsibly, everybody. Bet responsibly. That's all I can add. How about you spunk to the Masters, Matty? My Masters bets are hanging by a thread. They looked yeah, really good yesterday. Go. Yeah, that Fucking Tiger making the cut, man. I knew his leg was going to give out on him, but him making the cut, that was pretty fucking incredible. I hate to go off topic, but I think we all love Tiger Woods. That was cool to see just uh, for back from that accident. Fucking A, Tiger. Rock on, dude. You love going off topic, Matty. Come on now. It's, that's where I live, Steve. I, I live on the fringes all the time. <laughs> On the fringes is Matty, and he's here. We've already mentioned that. Hello to everybody in the chat. We'll flick through shortly and see who's knocking about. That tall motherfucker Matty was referencing is, in fact, Sebastian Fundora. Even though Golovkin fought over the weekend, there's only one place I'm going to start. That fight last night was a cracker. I only watched it a couple of hours ago. Absolutely brilliant. Over in the Virgin Hotels, Las Vegas. God knows what's happening in the Virgin Hotels, but there was some scrap going on between Ericsson Lubin getting all lubed up there. Ninth round retirement stoppage against Sebastian Fundora. Ericsson Lubin ended up getting withdrawn. He got a bit of a beating in the end, I think, Andy. Kevin Cunningham, he did the right thing for me. Lubin had landed the big comeback shot in round seven, but you could visibly see his tank was depleting. At the end, he was bleeding. His face was contorting into this alien shape. He was taking yeah. punishment. Now, he loaded up a lot early. He had fast hands, but he was retreating into that shell as we started entering into the championship rounds. There was no complaints from me on the stoppage. I think Cunningham did the right thing. Yeah, I think so, mate. If you look at his face, it, it, looks, it looks like a bag of spanners. It looks like he's been through a car. You know, I've been in a car accident right, right through the windshield. It's, it was really disturbing to see a wee bit, to be fair with you. Um, you know, very early doors, he's just standing in the pocket. He's allowed Ventura basically whipping hooks and uppercuts. As Matty says, uppercuts were just lethal. You know, he's like, I forget how many he landed. Actually. I don't even know if he did a punch count on it, but fuck it. Everyone he seemed to throw seemed to, seemed to actually land. Um. Certainly, obviously, the, the uppercut softened him up. That's the one that dropped him. I don't think his legs were solid as he got up for the first knockdown. But um, I think, obviously, the, the round ended pretty quickly after that. So, obviously, it saved him. It did, uh, Lubin did well in, in response with some of the shots that he was throwing, to be honest with you. Um, but he was still a target. And as, as, he, as he remained in, in front of Fundora basically the entire fight, feet weren't moving, legs were slow. Um, and as, as you say, after getting pummeled in round seven, uh, so after getting pummeled all that time, round seven, you know, he's turned the tables and he's attacked Fandora, dropped him. Um, and the afternoon, obviously, Kevin Cunningham stopped the fight. You know, his face was badly swollen, as, as, as I mentioned. And just to kind of like, uh, just to end on this this topic about the judges' scorecards, I know it was a great fight. Um, Savage, both guys dropped, you know, great entertainment. But that uh, those two scorecards, one of the two judges that had Lubin up by two points was an absolute disgrace. I don't see how you could have been anywhere close to being up in that fight. I thought he took an absolute beat down. Um, it kind of reminded me a wee bit of, remember when Kinsinze knocked the shit out of um, Antoine Douglas? I don't think Lubin will mm. be up fighter again after this. Um, really, really surprised as to, as to how... He, I, I know he's, he showed a wee bit of, kind of fragilities or back of glass in the past, but um, that was that was an awful beat down in the end as, as, as to what he got. Well, he, he, he played his part but you could, as you said as well, his, his tank was beginning to deplete. The face, you just don't know if there's any bad, you know, anything broken there, any like orbital bones broken. But I seen Kevin Cunningham was getting a bit of shit ringside. I don't know if somebody threw something at him. Um, yeah, I was going to mention that actually, Andy. There's always dickheads in the Lubin yeah. fan base. Do you remember after the Charlo loss, someone threw a chair at the other? T- I can never get the name of Charlo. It is at the other one, and then last night someone lobbed some ice at Cunningham. There's some arseholes yeah. in the crowd. I think follow him. And Cunningham obviously after the fight, he stopped. He was just taking. Lubin's gloves off. He was John back at whoever was in the crowd. So yeah. there was obviously something getting said, you know, about our verbals. 
look, he's paid to make the big decisions. He's speaking to his 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 fighter in between rounds. He's no liking what he's seen. The face, I, I seen him like post fight. The face was grotesque. Absolutely, it was probably one of the worst faces you'll probably see this weekend. I've put a picture up there, Andy, on the screen that I cut off right. Showtime afterwards when he was out, when he was uh, backstage, wow. and it doesn't do it justice. I think it was a lot worse in actually looking at it live than what you see on there. His face I, was terrible. I'm looking at a picture on boxing scene. You know, they usually do a kind of a gallery of pictures, and he's it, it looks mm. more serious. His right eyes look it's like a slit. His right jaw is all kind of badly swollen. There's very bad puffiness on the both eyes. The the bottom lips badly swollen and bleeding. You know, it's like a time lapse photo from the first round to the last of Adrian Broner getting fat around the face. You could also see him swelling between the nose. It was like um, remember that fight in Japan yesterday, one of the fights undercard. Was it, um, <laughs> his face didn't look like a kind of guy out of the horror films, but his nose started like sort yeah. of sinking into his face, didn't it? Like? It was just it's horrible. You know, fair play to the guys for kind of like fighting them for as long as what they did, but. But, you know, Lubin, fair play to him as well. He's, he's done his bit, but it's a, it's a concern for here on in. I think he's done now at kind of world level. Um, Fandora, based off that, um, if he can't see, you know, he, he seems to be very good at mid-distance. If he keeps his kind of jabs going, you know, he, he's going to be hard to beat. If you let him get inside and let him work, my God, man, he whips those, those uppercuts, those hooks. Um, obviously, he's, he's going to be hard to beat, but at the same time, as he's also showing he can be hurt now as well, so... You know, it's just, it's just a kind of, it's a kind of matter of time, I think, with, uh, with him as well, to be honest with you. But we'll wait and see. It's going to be a, f- a fun ride, and he seems to be wanting Charlo next after this. So hopefully he gets that fight as well. So very, very good at the main event, that show. The fact that that entire showtime card was pretty decent, to be honest with you. Just before we move on, Andy, you picked up on something I was going to touch on there. Actually, I liked afterwards the way Fundora said, I've got the WBC interim, but that's not what I'm interested in. I want the proper world title. I want to fight Charlo. I liked that. Yeah, and I'm trying to remember now. Why is that an interim belt? What was the situation again? Oh, you know, Lubin's had a couple of eliminators, to be fair. He's been kept yeah. hanging around, hasn't he? So I have no bas- idea. It's basically like the mandatory position now. Instead yeah. of calling him the mandatory yeah. challenger for the title, they're calling him the interim. So, uh, yeah, I, think it's just, I think it's just purely because Charlo will decide to go with the rematch with Castaño. It, it must be. It must be. So then, where's the point then? I, mean, I know what Matt is saying there. You know, this is him doing the, just call him the mandatory. They don't need to create a belt for it. They'll need to create a belt. I mean, the, the, the guy's number one contender for a reason now at this point. They need, there's no reason to take a sanctioning fee off the kid just to kind of put a, a, a belt on him as an interim title or whatever it was. You know, the, the, the Charlo's an active champion. You know, course, but, but it's the point of bringing in this, uh, in this bloody belt. You know, so it's just mere pish by the, by the sanction body. So fair play to Fandora for calling it out. I know he's, he's got to take the belt, but he can maybe market himself as a champ of some sorts, but it's good to see him want to call it Charlo or Castagna. I think he even wanted Charlo to win the fight against Castagna so he mm-hmm. could get him. He mixed, said that, so. yeah. yeah. Yep, so I, I'm down for that. Uh, Slappy Gilmore says, I always uh, think the same. He's an absolute freak of nature, that Fundora. Lubin, who knows where he's going now, maybe onto Skid Row. He's always been a sucker, a sucker for the uppercut, Matty. He soaked them up over and over again. I thought I picked um, Lubin on points last week, but I, I agree with Andy. I don't see how the judges had him up. I thought Fundora was just completely working him. Fundora's got the gas tank. He's got the engine, his chin, his work rate's phenomenal. I'll probably get shit for this, but I don't care. A Paul Williams type performance, I think. I'm a fan of the Terror in Inferno. He started out a bit of a Nikolai Valuev, a bit of a freak of nature, a bit of a freak show, like a circus attraction. He had, you know, he was a big, tall, lanky guy, a bit of a geek outside of the ring, but he's turned into a proper fighter. I'm becoming a fan of his. He's a warrior in the ring, and he seems like a nice kid on the mic as well. Oh, yeah, he gives good fights. Um, I still think he's a knockout waiting to happen. Um, I I was, I, you know, 
don't want to go negative right off the bat, but but uh, Lubin was able to find that that angle with the left hand um, from the southpaw stance. Um, I you know I I think uh, a good orthodox fighter with a with a strong left hook is going to give him a really hard fight. Um, and, uh, I think he'll find himself in even more trouble. Um, and you know, if there was a star of that evening outside of Fandora, I'm giving it to Kevin Cunningham, not only for knowing to when to pull the plug, but his advice in the corner was exactly right. And the Showtime crew was commenting on it too. It was exactly right. Don't stay right in front of this guy. Bam, bam, the body turn out, bam, bam, up top out. He had the right advice for him, 100%. Um, it's just Lubin's fault for not executing it. Fandora is there for the taking. Don't kid yourself. But you can't stand right in front of him. What blows me away particularly about him, Steve, that I think is really incredible, is you also can't tie him up. He has this way about him where even if you're holding him, somehow his arms are still working. Uh, they're even, you know, as lanky as he is, you know, you might have him around the elbows, but he's still working, uh, working underneath slightly, or he's got one hand free and he's punching and he's throwing this uppercuts when there's a half a foot, maybe in between the fighters, a really funky, um, inside fighting for a big guy um you know like you know kind of like a uh, riddick uh, you know like riddick bow used to be able to pull off that's fundora um, style though isn't it we always assume we always, a lot of people say he should be fighting on the outside he's taller he's longer he's ranger that's his natural game but seemingly not he's more comfortable on the inside he's a workhorse he's an inside pressure fighter yeah and i and i that's where he wants to be and that's why and where lubin had a success was catching him at that mid-range when he's coming into where he wants to be um, and the problem is, is, you know, as much as he wanted to tie him up, he, he couldn't, and he found himself stuck on the ropes, just stuck in front of him. Um, so Fedora got done what he had to get done. You know, four of us picked Lubin to win the betting markets. Uh, I believe that they opened with Fedora as a slight favorite moved to even, and they moved even more towards Lubin's favor before the fight. Um, so everybody was filling pretty much as the panel felt last week. Um, and, uh, Fandora just came out with a really good performance. Uh, but those flaws are there. I want to if he if it's not Charlo next, I want him against Tim Zhu. Um, but I think they might put Tim Zhu in with Tony Harrison. They might well do. I think what you said there about Fundora Matty being there for the taking and Cunningham's advice was sound, but Lubin wasn't able to execute simply because of what Fundora was doing to him. And I think there'll be a lot of fighters out there. I'm not saying he's going to beat the best. I think the likes of Charlo will beat him, but there'll be a lot of fighters out there thinking they can do a certain thing against Fundora and finding him in the ring a completely different proposition from what the game plan. You know, Lubin clearly couldn't execute, and I think that is mostly down to Fundora's athleticism and his game plan. Yeah, uh, very much so. And I'll tell you what, though, Charlo is a fight that I, um, I I think is particularly interesting for him, Steve, because the way I see that fight going is Charlo is either going to catch him at mid-range and knock him out sometime before the seventh, eighth round, or uh, he's going to get worn down, and I think uh, Fandora will stop him late. I, I think that that fight's going one of two ways because it's – it's not like most inside fighters who are short and short and squat, you know, it's, it's a whole lot different 
to keep your distance from this inside fighter because he can touch you, you know, basically any from anywhere in the ring, ring with his with his reach. You know, I mean, if you're you're in an 18 foot ring with that guy, you're barely safe in the corner if he's in the center. I think he's a decent inside fighter, to be honest with you. Even against the weird guys, was, I remember there was something that was at round two. Um, I think uh, Luby maybe tried to tie him up, and he, he threw a left hand to the body or to the centre mass, and then stepped back and threw the right uh, the right hook, then came back with another left uppercut to the body, finished him with another mm-hmm. right uppercut. So I think he's a good inside fighter. I just, um, just the leverage he gets in these shots, I mean, I, I just kind of believe, who is he, six feet something? Um, like six six, I think, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, it's it's clear that I just don't think he followed the game plan. To be honest with you, I mean, what, I mean, um, Lubin didn't follow the game plan. What should have been, you know, he was doing it early doors. He was jabbing the body. And then once he started maybe getting the hands down, maybe tap a few upstairs and spin off to the side. Never done that, and he never really got the stamina going either as well. And once he started taking shots, like I said in round two, um, once he started feeling that power, I think that was it. You know, it just any any stamina that he's got, and then as I say, the the brittle side of him as well has probably just started falling apart. Give a big big account of himself from round seven, obviously, but after that, it was uh, right was on the wall because. Quite be honest, it was a beatdown. Absolutely. That's beat down. what I'm saying, Andy. I don't think he could execute the game plan. Look, he used to fund or just not get off him. He just could not yeah. respond. Just walked him over the ring, mate. Walked him over the ring, and but even when he like had his moments of kind of like working or like his shots off, Fundora was right back on him. Right back on him. Uppercuts, hooks, and as I say, I, I don't know what reach he's got in that. But can you imagine, you know, throwing those those long whipping shots and trying to defend them? There, you're blocking one. Next minute, the uppercut comes in, and you're blocking the uppercut, and another hook comes over. Guy, guy must be an absolute nightmare to fight either inside or even at mid distance. He must be an absolute brute. And I heard some of these comments after afterwards after the fight saying that he loves to break faces. So uh, it might look a bit goofy, but it sounds like he's a bit a nasty dude. So you have to change your your glove position fighting a guy like that. You know, you know when you when you're on the outside, you 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 try to keep it where you know more in front of your face, so you're guarding against the straight punches, and then you kind of move towards your ears as you're getting in the mid range with them. But when you get under the into the chest, I mean. You really can't hook that well from that position. Like that punch wasn't there as much when they were in close as the uppercut for Fedora. So at that point, I mean, I think with him, you just you, you just got to go in there and you got to get one of your gloves just underneath your chin when you're up underneath his chest and, and nullify it. And the, you know, around the fifth, sixth round, like Lubin started doing that a little bit more, and it looked like he started finding the answers. But it's just the the pure volume of it. I mean, it, some of those are going to get through, and eventually more and more did. What about Fundora Castaño, Matty? The punch stats would be unreal for that, wouldn't they? That'd it's be a, a good blast. fight to get made at one fifty four. It's still mm-hmm. one of the best divisions in the sport just now, and there's a lot of good fights to get made there. Obviously, and the PBC are making too. them. Yeah, the PBC yep. are ma- continue to make them. Well, Danny Garcia's moving up there too. I, I think that he's, he's kind of interesting the division. I'd actually, actually, honestly, Danny Garcia against Fundora is a really interesting fight. I kind of want to see that. Speaking of a good left hook, giving him hell. Uh, yep. To take aim, says Fundora is a parlay waiting to happen. <laughs> good comment from Ames there. Onto the undercard. And uh, you can take your pick as to what you saw, what you enjoyed, what you didn't. You were mentioning off air to me about uh, Felix Martial uh, getting yeah. a bit of a suspicious one against Isaiah Hart. I didn't see this fight <laughs> as well, and I didn't see the other fight involving this Jim, Jaleel Major Hackett, but I want to throw his name in at every opportunity. He's 18 years of age, from Washington. I've seen highlights of him, and apparently he spars Javonta Davis. Real high things thought of this kid. Like I say, he's only 18. Jaleel Major Hackett fought against Jose 
Beloso last night. Don't know if he won or not. Six rounder in only his fourth fight as well. That was the off uh, TV stuff, and then obviously onto the TV stuff. Uh, Kevin Salgado with a draw against Bryant Goodfella Perella and Tony Harrison Sergio Garcia. But I believe Martial maybe got a away with one there in that. I think it was a four rounder under. Yeah, four rounder is his second pro fight. He'd obviously he'd kind of hung about um, Umar Marcel, who's one of Manny Pacquiao's fighters. He'd hung about for Tokyo. One, I think he won a bronze, I believe. Um, knocked, he actually knocked out Vic Darchinian's nephew in the quarters. Bad knockout. So the kid's got a bit of power. But anyways, last night he was wide open. Obviously he's a southpaw, wide open to this you know, straight right cross. Walked into three of them. Dropped three times. Uh, was down on the car 29-26. As you say, Steve, that's a four-rounder. Somehow he come back in the fourth round, caught Isaiah Hart with a left hook or a left or a straight left hand. Um, Hart kind of did a wee dance. There was not really much of a follow-up for Marcel, and the referee Ryle Kai Jr. stepped in and called the fight off. But supposed to Marcel, kind of looking at the scorecards, it was probably you know the, he was probably glad it happened because he was on the way to a, you know a shock L there. To be honest, and there's a big thing expected of this kid, especially in the Philippines at least. Uh, and on the, the rest of the card that I caught was Tony Harrison's fight, who I thought boxed pretty well. It was more a kind of purist-type performance, um, even though Garcia kind of kept pressing. I thought Harrison, you know, even be getting caught. We were like, he was getting sorry, he was catching Garcia with one-twos, single shots to the body, dropped the jab to the gut here and there, moved pretty well. Um, I just thought Garcia kind of followed him a bit too much, attempted to throw his shots and kind of like got picked off, as I say, with the kind of better boxing skills of uh, Tony Harrison. I mean, like, I thought for the kind of most part of the fight. So, you know, Harrison happy to take that kind of half step back and then let his punches go as Garcia kind of more kind of held his feet. So he was kind of working in his own spaces. So it was a, it was a decent performance by Tony Harrison, to be fair away. He gets himself back in my good, good books, at least, because he absolutely shot the bed that Charlo rematch and pissed me off. Lost my, uh, lost my bet for the first time in many years. Well, and against Perala, he was he was awful too. I mean, this yeah. was night and day from that performance. He was wicked accurate in this fight. I mean, landed at will against Garcia. Definitely one of his best performances since the Charlo first fight. Definitely. Um, so no doubt, there you have to, somebody's mentioned Tim Zhu possibly for the next fight. I know he's been Harrison's been talking shit about him. So. You know, as, as we mentioned, there's there's a lot of good fights to get made here. You've got Tim Zhu coming up. Um, Texeras took a DQ loss here last night, I believe, so he <laughs> might be he might be in the situation. Uh, Garcia, obviously, and then obviously there was another. There was, there's no someone else fighting next week. Is it, is, is it Charles Cornwell? Was he not? No, it's Cody. I'm thinking about. Obviously, Fandora uh, new back in the mix here. Lumen maybe drop off. We've got Smith against Vargas, which is not a fight I'm looking forward to. But these guys will be in the mix. Leharaga still kicking about. Madrimov. So, oh, yeah, don't even mention Leiraga. He, he yeah, no, he's been nice. At the top. He's been nice. A wee bit like Lubin, I suppose. Maybe you know hit his ceiling. But these guys, you know, would be decent opponents. Leiraga, uh, type fighters for maybe Harrison. I mean, he's not going to get a world title fight anytime soon. Uh, to be honest with you, I don't think because um, obviously the mandatory defense is going to start ch- uh, turning out for the for the winner of Castagna against Charlo. So you might need to look at like say your Cabano for Texera or a Soro type fight. Yeah, Tony Harrison, Matty, um, what do you think of his performance? I thought he was accurate, he was strong, he kept picking off Garcia. Garcia hadn't got the power. Interesting, it was a 10-rounder because Harrison has got a history of fading late in fights. Andy mentioned the Charlo fights there. I thought Harrison lost the first one and was doing really well in the second one until he got stopped. He's a classy boxer at times, picked his shots well, but the fact it was a 10-rounder did interest me. Maybe they haven't got full um, confidence in his stamina yet, but he, he is a very classy boxer. 
Yeah, I think just because it wasn't, I don't think it was an eliminate or anything like that. Um, I don't think the, there was a purpose for 12 rounds, especially, you know, on that card. I don't think they were trying to draw it out too much, uh, given it started at uh, 10 o'clock New York time and had three fights on it. So, uh, you know, give up a couple minutes here and there. Uh, that was a sharp, like Andy said, that's as good as I've seen him look since he, before he got knocked out by Charlo, probably. Um, the lackadaisical non-effort that he put in against Perala is uh, in the rear view, but Harrison's a streaky fighter. Um, that Perala just... fight at Matty, sorry, just uh, his father had died around that time, I believe. So maybe that was playing on his mind. They suggested last night. Yeah, and that, that that's highly possible. Um, but it, he, you know, it just everything was more purposeful with Harrison. Um, it, it wasn't just against Perala; he was just trying to find find answers uh, the whole time and it looked confused the entire fight this fight he, he never looked confused once uh he would have gone 12 without issue um you know garcia's not much puncher anyways um he uh he was so accurate he took a guy with a tremendously high work rate um and and brought that work rate uh, down considerably uh, he threw a wide variety of punches, traditional one, twos, hooks, uppercuts, body, head. That's he looked really good, and I, um, I would like to see him fight Tim Zoo. I think he's a he's a good test for Zoo um, because he uh, he he's definitely better off of the back foot than he is off of the front foot, so that'll work in his favor against Zoo. And he uh, and he's got a, a, a wider variety of shots than uh, Gaucher does, so I think it'll be a different challenge for uh, for for Timmy there. But I think uh, I think he'd probably vent- venture to say that he'll get the knockout late against Harrison. But it's still an interesting fight, and um, I'd like to see it because uh, Harrison earned a, another shot to go up the ladder with that performance last night. Uh, yeah, TMT says Harrison is the best technician of the super welterweight division. His weaknesses are physical. I would agree with that one. Uh, former opponent of Harrison, I think they boxed to a draw in the end. It was Perella Matty he boxed to another draw there last night. I remember him getting stopped by somebody in the last few seconds by Jack Reese. Abel well. Ramos. He's, yeah, he never seems to get a rub of it, old Perella, but he's, he's a decent boxer, a bit in the Andy Lee mold, maybe without the, the power, nice jab on him, but he always does enough just to, to get a draw, a bit like a Badu Jack kind of figure. Yeah, back-to-back draws. Um, don't see that very often. Um you know, it's. I watched the fight in Devil Speed. I watched the first couple rounds, and I'm like, ah, I can see how this is gonna go. And um, you know, you get the the highlights in between rounds. If anybody landed a, a good punch, and there wasn't much. It was all about positioning and jab. And uh, and from my devil timed uh, uh, perspective, it looked like Peralta probably should have just eked it out, but. Um, um, I, it, it was a, a non-effort fight on both accounts. Um, Salgado, uh, the, uh, Kevin Salgado, I believe his older brother is Juan Carlos Salgado. You would mm-hmm. have expected a little bit more of that, uh, spirit that Salgado, uh, showed during his, uh, days at 126 and 130, but, uh, we didn't get that just a flat performance. And you know what? I'm fine with draws when both guys are flat like that. Um, if nobody deserves the win, nobody deserves the win. Uh, I think you got to earn it, period, end of story. Got to earn it, says Matty. Episode 469, earn those likes. Hit the like button if you're enjoying what you're hearing. Hit the dislike if you don't. We won't see them anyway. See who's hanging around in the chat. The usual pond life for swimming there in the grime. Sad Ken's here with us, TMT. 
Chelsea Taylor, Yimmy Yappy, Adam Hughes, Joe Burns, uh, Northern Monkey, good to see Take Aims as always, Big A, Boxing Channel, uh, Stephen Hill, uh, Chase Athletics, our American correspondent, uh, Albert Ross is with us as well, Liam Wynn, shout out to Liam over on Facebook, uh, who else have we got here, Luke Bignall, good to see you Luke, Chris Butler, a final couple before we move on to Golovkin, Slappy Gilmore, and Fava Beans, good to see you. Oh, Johnny Horsecock Nelson, don't want to forget about old Horsecock. Dropping a bit of length in the chat. Over to Japan anyway, yesterday afternoon, about 12 o'clock. Nice time for us. Uh, Gennady Golovkin getting the win over Ryota Murata. He got the stoppage eventually, Andy, but I thought Golovkin maybe starting to suddenly look a little bit tired, a little bit old. Some said it was rust. I noticed uh, the boxing rant, and if that was Kenny or Vince were tweeting that out earlier, but... His power bailed him out in the end. This was the first real obvious sign of slippage I've seen. At times, he looked a little human, a little beatable, a little hurtable. Yeah, uh, Triple G, maybe just no ain't Triple G anymore, to be honest with you. Um, I'd say that I didn't think his legs looked good. I, I kind of more kind of put it that, that his feet, you know how you kind of used to like walk across the ring and maybe cut off and you know cut you off in his pomp? Me walk you to the ropes, cut you in at the corner, and just like this savage your body. Um, didn't he really kind of do that as much? He kind of looked more kind of intent and more kind of bang it out. Sometimes I'll be kind of like roll under some shots, uh, most of the right hand basically. But he got hurt, I think it was the third round, he got hurt by a left hook to the body. And you could see him actually kind of covering it up pretty much any time Marata decided to try and go on the attack. Who kind of surprised me actually. I was actually kind of maybe surprised as to the matter kind of coming out so quick. Um, on the front foot and obviously kind of put it on Golovkin actually it's probably the right the right the right thing to do because you know a 40 year old man you know two years at the ring um probably something was was done was done to rust but how much it is actually done to decline you know maybe it's an activity we don't know but you remember it's a 40 year old man here who is a, you know, a lengthy you know, pro and amateur career he says Marata did very well you know very early very aggressive landing some good heavy shots but you can see with Triple D's jab, it's still it's still quality jab, isn't it? It's still got a lot of power in it. Um, hooks, you know, just gradually broke Marata down. And obviously, I think it was round. I forget what round it was when he knocked the, the, the mouthpiece out. But that for me was the turning point. I just think Marata's offensive output was just, just wasn't there anymore. He kind of seemed to kind of back off. Um, so yeah, look, it's, it's a good one. I saw, shall I say, or oh, two years at, at the ring. Bear in mind that, that, that he's 40, he maybe looks every second of being 40 year old, had a long pro career, you know, made weight at 160 now for the, you know, f- you know, forget how many fights he's had now as a pro, but it must be near close to 40, maybe slightly over that. Um, length amateur career, hundreds of fights as an amateur. Um, that said though, you know, I think he's still good enough to fight the back end of the division, shall I say, you know, kind of the lower ranks. I watched that last night, we wee bit trepidation, thinking that if that was Canelo there last yesterday, it could have been a lot different, especially if Marata's hurting hurt you to the body. And I know Marata's got decent power, eh, but Canelo kind of feasts on the kind of body shots. And you just wonder as well as could could eh, eh, a 40-year-old Golovkin at this point take a Canelo who's probably you know in his, in his peak. Um, so this is, you know, part of it's probably ring rust, part of it's probably straight up decline. Um, but overall, it wasn't a great performance. Eventually, it, it he broke his man down, uh, and pretty much it. But you know, it's all saying you just kind of beat Father Time. I, I, I believe if if he does fight Canelo next, um, I believe Canelo will convincingly beat him this time. To be honest with you, 
Andy, the body shots really took it out to him. I thought he was yeah. blowing a little bit well, from the third round. He looks a little bit top-heavy to me, like big, broad shoulders, little muscular boobs, like a, a stacked power puncher. He was in tremendous shape, I must admit, actually. But um, again, I don't know. He, he, he trains at Big Bear all the time. I just don't know how much that takes out of you, to be honest with you. But as you say, he was, he was certainly hoovering in the air after uh, round two or round three. Um Marata, I thought gas after five. If it hadn't, if it hadn't gas after five, it might be a different, different mm. fight. Who knows? But the body shots at one point, as you say, were killing Golovkin. You could visibly see him trying to cover up uh, the body. Whereas when, when Marata was maybe he could have maybe faked to go to the body and then brought it up to the head because obviously he's bringing his hands down. He's not protecting his head. He didn't do that. But it kind of got to a point actually that he was actually working on a bit of a you know. But a bag work, to be honest with you. But you know, Triple G just ended up punching the fuck at him in the end. Um, those kind of downward punches that he does, um, you know, it's just, it's just, he just started taking a lot of punishment. But Triple G, that obviously we, we've seen him in his absolute peak. As I say, he wasn't cutting the ring off. The footwork is is nowhere near what it used to be. You know, that's a combination of everything: hard career, you know, training camps, everything like that. But it's, he's a forty-year-old pro. And he's still hanging with these guys at world level, so he's still got enough about him. But whether he's, he, he can hang with Canelo or move up to 168, shall we say, maybe fight like a Bevo or try to remember who else is up at that weight, just now escapes my mind. But you think you would, you would think he's going to struggle actually if he goes up in levels beyond the likes of the Marata levels, like so Canelo. Um, the Benavides fight interests me actually. I'd like to see mm. how that fight would go, um, but who knows. Joe Burns is throwing in 179. He says, Matty's predictions on fights are worse than Hayes. So that's an endorsement for Matty there. Dez says, I'm convinced Triple G knew his opponent couldn't hurt him. He just stayed with him and threw. Those looping shots on top of the head. He slowed down, but he's still a savage. I'd also question uh, Banks, as in Jonathan Banks. If Murata hadn't slowed down, then Golovkin could have been in a bit of trouble. And uh, Matty, maybe. At 40 years of age, Andy mentioned there, he can't be inactive anymore for me. This is his final run at glory. He can't be inactive. Get the rust off. If it's going to have this final run, it's got to happen quickly for me now. No more messing around. Yeah, well, and I think his run is going just straight to Canelo for the next fight. If Canelo gets through Bivol, fine. And that's the end of the road. Um, win or lose, I think it's going to be lose. Um, because what I saw in this fight, even though he won and he was able to pull it together, um, in the uh, when we were talking about this fight last week, I said, you know, Murata's really only got two punches. He's got that right hand and he's got a left hook to the body. That left hook to the body was almost enough to beat Golovkin. Um, early in the fight, uh, it was looking like, uh, like uh, you know, uh, Murata wasn't even moving as well as Derry Vinchenko. He wasn't uh, providing nearly the uh, dynamic offense that Sergey did. Um, but that left hook to the body was still giving Golovkin fits. Um, I think he, uh, he definitely was slowed down by him at a couple of points. Um, but then when he knocked out Murata's that mouthpiece, it was over from there. Uh, Murata claims he has a skull that's one and a half times the size of a normal human, a thickness of a normal human skull. Um, and he thought that meant that uh, it'd be really hard to knock him out. Well, gloves, glove can still pull it off. Um, that right hand uh, he hit him with basically froze uh, Murata in time. Um, but I'll tell you what, um, this slower Golovkin, whose activity is definitely down, whose body is definitely not absorbing shots the way it used to. Um, and who's not going to the body um, as much as he was? Uh, I think he, he didn't uh, go to Murata's body nearly enough. 
Um, but I, I really think all roads are going to lead to Canelo. Should Canelo be go in Canelo's favor? And I, I think Canelo's probably going to stop him on a body shot. If not on the shot itself, um, what he lands upstairs will be the result of that body work. Chris Butler says, such a shame Golovkin never got the big fights in his prime. Matty, you mentioned about uh, Golovkin's lack of body work. Against Canelo, I thought the reason he didn't go to the body as much was because he was worried that he was going to get countered because he wasn't fast enough to get in and get out. But what's the excuse for not going to Murata's body, I suppose, as much? Yeah, and I, I I don't think he had much of one. I, I I saw I didn't see him land more than uh, you know eight or nine significant uh, body shots the whole fight. So that's um, I I just think that might have been a strategic error on his part. And um, you know, considering he's working with Jonathan Banks, um, not not that big of a shock in its own way because Banks um, it, it really isn't uh, one who uh, teaches much about going to the body, right? Um, when he was uh, at the helm with Klitschko. Um, I Vlad didn't exactly become a prolific body puncher from that point forward, did he? No, not really. But then I suppose the heavyweights few and far between with the body shots, because again they're big, uh, lumbering fellas who can't get in and out. So I don't know what Jonathan Banks' style is, Matty. I mean, as a pro, we we kind of saw his style, but is he the association with Manny? Is he getting these gigs? I mean, why are people employing Banks? Do you think, Matty? Because he's not getting his twenty percent. That's why, like, uh, unable mm. Sanchez. You know, remember, <laughs> remember, he took the took uh, Umbridge when Granny got off and got that big zone deal. $100 million or what it was, the next minute, fucking poor Sanchez is on the sidelines moaning and bitching like, fuck, you can bet Banks is probably getting about 2% if that. Aye, he's probably Lofkin. getting a percentage in the zone stocks, isn't he? Exactly. Golovkin's <laughs> all about the bag these days, baby. Well, I, I think he definitely teaches Kronk style, um, but I, I think um, Sugar Hill does a much better job of that currently. I've been calling uh, to let Golovkin fight Canelo, have his final payday, let him get knocked out. He's earned it after the first two, but I do have reservations after watching this fight as to whether I want to see that spectacle. I have no real love for Golovkin more than any other fighter, but his, his fights were a spectacle. We enjoyed it. He brought fans together back in the day. You know, when Golovkin was fighting at the weekend, people enjoyed it. And Big drama put, show, he baby. Was, he was active as well. That's yeah, thing. he, he used to fight all the time. Yeah. Monaco yeah. or wherever he went. Yeah, yeah. exactly. He's he, a couple of fights in America or fighting you know, Europe, maybe Germany somewhere. He cleaned out middleweight other than Sergio Martinez. Who ducked that, him. That, yeah, yeah, there you go. And I, I love Sergio, but they didn't want that fight. Not at all. Um, so, I mean, you got to think about everybody that he beat. He beat He beat Gill. He beat Macklin. He beat Barker. He beat Murray. Um, he beat Chavez Jr. Um, Storm beat, ducked him as well, actually. That was when all that WBA regular time yeah. was kind of popped up as well. Yeah, he he uh, he beat Kelly Pavlik. He put he he put Zinzerik on his ass like four times. You know, uh, it, it's the the guy. Uh, you know, uh, or excuse me, I was thinking Martinez that did that. Um, uh, or, or who? Um, oh God, they kind of overlap because they was, fought a lot of the guys. I'm sorry, Martinez, Martinez but, beat Pavlik and. Uh... I think you merged Golovkin yeah, and Martinez. He's running into one super fight. Sorry, I wanted to knock out Paul Williams and, and then yeah, he knocked out yeah. Poxner. Jesus Christ. Um, but, 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 I mean, uh, between the two of them, they essentially cleaned out middleweight with, with yeah. overlap between them. The only fight that really could have been made that mattered at the time um, would, uh, that didn't get made essentially would have been Martinez against Canelo or Martinez against Golovkin. Uh, so you got to give him credit for everything that he, you know, people might have wished that he was. I, I, I think you really have to consider Golovkin 
Glovkin is probably, you know, taking heavyweight out of the realm. Heavyweight's its own its own beast, right? I, I think you might have to consider that Glovkin's the best single weight champion since Hagler. Correct me, you know, you there's people can have their opinions Hopkins. on that. Hopkins. Hopkins. No, you Hopkins. yeah, you're oh, Hopkins dude, a in you. Here's a question for you. Does Hopkins beat Golovkin? My answer is yes. What, what what so what years are we going right here? Are we saying like Hopkins at like thirty five or are we I'm saying talking, I'm talking Hopkins that won the middleweight tournament? Against Keith Holmes. No, no, he won it off Trinidad in the middleweight Trinidad, tournament. Die, die. Any any Hopkins run about that year or maybe a couple of years before? Peak Trinidad, peak Hopkins is Trinidad, then through to Eastman, through to De La Hoya. That little run was peak Trinidad middleweight, wouldn't it have been? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, Pete Hopkins middleweight, sorry, not Trinidad. Yeah, possibly well, and, I. And he was he kind of avoided. Hopkins went from like 160 to 175, you know, missed it 168 entirely. Wasn't he really a bona fide late heavyweight, to be honest with you? Well, well and that's what I'm saying, single weight champion too. You know, like people that make a jump, they kind of have their own resume, he, right? He had a lot of defenses though, Hopkins. He did. He had 20, 20 or twenty one. I think Golovkin equaled that or surpassed that last night. Hopkins's run was definitely stronger, wasn't it? Because he was fighting yeah. the likes of Robert Allen, like I said, unifying with. Pretty sure he unified with Holmes for the WBC. Trinidad was coming up in weight. We all know that. But the, the likes of Golovkin, I heard Terry on his podcast talking about this as well, saying about Tony playing with Canelo and Golovkin. I don't think anyone necessarily plays or easily beats Pete Golovkin. You know, I know we can look no. back with rose-tinted spectacles, but it's not an easy out. I'm not saying he would beat Hopkins or Tony, or I would I would pick Hopkins and Tony to probably both beat Triple G, but he's not an easy out for anybody, that hard-punching no, version that we saw not. on the way up. Absolutely not. And you remember as well, James Tony was like, depending on what he turned up on uh, on the night, because exactly. he was like, in weight and all. Yeah. If he was with the weight off, he was actually in the mood for it or whatever. You know, you say Glovkin, iron-jawed, you know, great power, great stamina, Um at his peak, you could cut off the ring, you make you work with, without throwing a punch, and just mentally harassed you the whole fight. And then when you, once you got you together, well, look at the fucking Macklin, man. Fucking punched holes in Macklin's ribs. Macklin went down greeting just about. Roy Jones um, Jr. would have fucked up Golovkin, though. That's the one middleweight matchup you put out there. I think he would have fucked Golovkin up. Fucked up in what? Like, stopped him? Possibly so, because I think Roy's control of distance at middleweight and his sheer speed, I mean, he could stay feet out of range of you and and just pop in real hard. And 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 Golovkin doesn't tuck the way that Hopkins was so that he could that he was able to survive those hard punches. I I I don't know that Roy stops him, but I think he would have beat the shit out of Golovkin. Question in the chat there, actually. I forget who it was. Let me try and get the guy's name, actually. You'd ask the question. Aye, Patrick Sweeney, what is uh, Triple G's best win? Um... Canelo won. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Are you looking like Jacobs or... Ternachenko? I, I don't think... I I think... I really think he drew with Dervachenko at best. Fuck. I. But going, uh, past, but going on what, what you know, the actual results, I suppose. Yeah. It's, it's not his best win, but do you remember when he beat the shit out of Gabe Rosado and his, and his dad's want to kind of like, uh, his dad, no, his, his trainers want, want to pull Rosado out and his dad's like, no, don't. And he's like, we need to kill him. We need to pull him. He's going to get killed in there, dude. <laughs> 
Remember they should have um, knockout as well in France. Holy fuck, man! That was sick. Nah, back to the Should have had a beard too. That guy had a straight fucking beard, and and a glove can obliterate it. The Curtis Stevens fight was good too. Not that Stevens yeah. was a match for him, but he was a shit talker, wasn't he? With all the, like the yeah. images of Triple G and the coffin and all, and Triple G <laughs> just dealt with him in the ring. That that was. I remember being on the pod around that time, and that was we were, were buzzing. Get the shit out of him. Yeah. If I could drop me, Mary Patton does it the first or second round. He's got that look in his face. Yeah, the. Ooh, <laughs> The Proxer as well, uh, when he beat Proxer, that was his coming out party, wasn't it, in Verona yeah. that night, 2012. Matt Murray, I remember him taking a hellacious beating yeah. to the body. Uh, I was talking fighting Barker, Barker around that time as well. Yeah. I, I, I think his, I, I really think his win over Gill was really solid too, because Gill was an uh-huh. underrated fighter. Um, you know, Cotto fought him when he was definitely past his best and he weight-drained him. But Cotto, um, not middleweight. Yeah, Gil, uh, Gil, and I thought Gil won that fight against Barker too. That was a good fight. That was a good fight. Oh, that was a great fight. Um, and so I, I really think I think that win is I think that win is quite underrated because he just you know blasted what? him out of there. I mean, he hit Gil at the same time Gil hit him, and um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, that uh, was basically the story of his career. That Gil Barker fight. <clears throat> See when Barker got dropped, Gil took his foot off the gas, and that's where he lost the fight. It looked buggy yep. to get back into it. Yep. Because, yeah, he put he put him down with a body shot too, didn't he? Yeah, it was a brutal one. He couldn't. He was rolling over the uh, agony. And, you know, on yes, the I said, I told this story before, Andy, but I remember being on the BoxRec forums around that time and there was a guy on and he'd been like an amateur coach for 20 or 30 years and he said, I've never seen anybody get up from a body shot like that before, uh, man. That was true balls. That was, Barker was class that night. I love that fight. Maybe, I'm trying to remember, the maybe maybe like Agati getting up for like Mickey Ward. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. yes. Um, Marcus Maidana against Khan. These are the kind of ones that kind of uh-huh, stick out. Uh-huh. They get up and they're fucking struggling. And, but that's the thing about, about Golovkin last night. See when he, he took that left hook to the, one, one of the early shots, you could see him like, he was stepping off and he's trying to you know, stand up straight and stretch it out. It was really bugging him that fucking shot. Like He doesn't handle it to the body well. I mean, I watched that Derevinchenko fight last week look, to look forward to this fight, and uh, and I forgot just how many times he was subtly hurt to the body by Derevinchenko, where he got with a couple and he needed the distance. You saw him puff, you know, take a big breath, like... He's he doesn't handle it. It hasn't gotten better with age, and I, I I that's why I think Canelo stops him. I think he's gonna beat him up to the body, especially since Canelo's no uh, foot speed uh, magician by any stretch. But this version of Golovkin is a, quite a bit more of a plotter than he was ten years ago. Uh, Sad Ken says Golovkin versus Pirog would have been a barn burner. Well, that was actually in the the, the works, but Pirog ended up with a, a back injury. Injury, um, I mean, that's he, he's become one of the biggest myths now. Actually, Pirog, yeah, it's difficult to know, isn't it, really, yeah, about him? Because yeah. I know he beat Jacobs, but then after that, the injuries curtailed Andy's yeah, career. I think he had one defense. I think it was at Lucas Kachelny. I think I got right. that name wrong. Maybe a, a Slovakian guy. If I forget his name, or Jan Javik, whatever his name was, and then. He kind of like disappeared after that. He was back problem, I believe. Once once the back starts to go, that's it can be problematic after that. But, well, especially uh, yeah. him because he wasn't like that upright uh, European style. Yeah, you know, he, he got down low. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's not going to work. Keith Thurman said Jan Zavik was one of the nicest guys he ever met. Andy, lovely fellow. Yeah, <laughs> not much of a fighter, but yeah, nice fellow. Apparently, apparently he's on the on the 
commissioning board now, Slovakia, or he's a supervisor, um, right. Slovenia or Slovakia, I forget where he's filming again. Somewhere around about that area anyway. Yeah, I think it was Slovakia. Uh, Sad Ken says uh, McCallum would do Golovkin. This, see, this is what I'm saying. I'm not saying McCallum would or would not be Golovkin, but do him. I mean, what are we talking here? Nobody walks through Golovkin. Oh. Pete Golovkin had a chin of cast iron. None of these guys walk through him like he's a, like a bit of wet paper. I mean, he's That's still never been down. <clears throat> yeah. You could throw Julian Jackson's name and Jeremy McClellan and say, oh, they would do Golovkin. In what way? You know, we've seen... Maybe McCallum, Andy, because of the body work. I can see where maybe Sadkin's coming from there, actually. Yeah, possibly. Um, but he was a good technician, McCallum. I mean, that's another fight we need to look at for punches for the past, actually. There's a trilogy between Tony and, and Mike McCallum. Um, I think Hearns against Golovkin would have been really fucking interesting. I, I really do. Hearn's just got that Fandora vibe about him, doesn't he? Though? He's uh-huh. got the long reach, the fucking long hooks, and the fucking whipping shots, and the major power. Which is actually telling because coming out of the amateurs, Hearn's was not a puncher. You know, he was more like a like you know a, a boxer where he turned into like an amateur, kind of boxer puncher. So it just shows you that even though you're born a puncher back in your amateur days, you know you can actually turn into one of them later. Later, it's all about technique, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Not really into power. He's that uh, that right hand he landed on Duran is one mm-hmm. of the Biggest punches landed in the history of boxing. Like fake, fake the jab to the body to like you sent a mass, and then fucking Duran bit on the feint, brought the arms down, and the fucking right hand came right in the middle. No I defense. Mean, one of the all-time great chins in boxing too, and yep. it done. Duh, uh, un. Never before or since would Duran handled like that. Yeah, that was. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> I was going to say, the, the thing is, just briefly going back to Golovkin, I know we're, we're going down a rabbit hole here, but yeah. even like some people now, historical revisionism, forgetting in his prime, like making him out to be some kind of a plodder. Now, he was plodding on Saturday, but I remember in, uh, speaking to Macklin about a year or so after he got knocked out by um, Golovkin. He was at a club show in Belfast, and he said one of the things about him was his footwork, mm-hmm. the way he closed the distance on you. He was working you, even when he wasn't even throwing. Yeah. He was just constantly closing the angle, shutting you off. They forget what a good technique. Like, it's not for my job here to stand here and defend Golovkin, but you know, you got to we've got to be fair. What exactly ah, what he's like at his peak? You got to put it in context. As I say, you got to put it in context as well. As I say, you know, at his peak, you know, the foot movement, his ability to mentally harass you. I mean, they say box is mental. Well, if he's mentally harassing you to the point that he's fucking, oh, I'm shattered. Yeah, you got here. nowhere to go. Exactly. If I've only got to get, okay, I'll go to the ropes. I'll cover up for five. I might be swing off, but when you get to the ropes, you think I left it to the body. The next minute, you're fucking getting counted to ten. You know. That's what, that's what happened to Macklin, at least. Got, his lights turned completely out. Um, so you're talking about a guy, he's absolute peak. Now, we're not saying that he's absolutely... He's not got his flaws. Obviously, he's got his flaws. He can be tagged. Um, he can't fight probably going uh, on, on the back foot as such. He can kind of fight off the back foot or going back in straight lines. But as an offensive as an offensive machine, my God, I was, you know, he was pound for pound ranked at one point, but one of the most vicious punchers, one of the fighters that you were... Always willing to kind of you know happy to sit up and watch because you knew you were going to get either a knockout or somebody was going to get knocked out at least. Um, but look, they can throw all the names that they want, even any of the champions like your Hagler, Leonard, Nunn, Tony, Taylor, Hopkins, whoever you want to throw out there. Triple G hangs with all of those guys. How he, if he wins, he maybe wins a handful of fights. I don't want to pick out names, but on on any given night. Golovkin could be easily could be successful. Maybe the beat Cotto, the beat Martinez, I think with the beat Pavlik, uh, probably with the beat Jermaine Taylor. I that think Pavlik fight would have been fucking great, dude. Yeah, that Hopkins, been, yeah. Hopkins, I don't believe so. Tony, again, it comes down to kind of on the night because it's more about has he been? Has he yes, been I agree with that. Training for it, uh, Michael Nunn, who was you know 
technically proficient, very good fucking long, long range fighter as well. But he could once be he caught. went late, and you, oh, I'm a non-fan, but late yeah. on you catch him to the chin. Mm. You could be caught late. Yeah. Um, Hagler, obviously, Hagler's a class of his own. Obviously, maybe the top guy of, of all time at middleweight. But you know, I think he gives Hagler a good fight, and I think Hagler yeah. would give him a good fight as well. Yeah, you know, I but agree. I think Hagler would probably win over the 15 round distance. Who knows? But He's a, he's a, he's a, he was he was an elite fighter. That's, there's no two ways about it. He's been ducked. He was a long reigning champion. He will probably go to the hall as well, possibly. Um, but with, you know, people saying like, say, you know, he gets destroyed off X, Y, or Z. And that peak for peak, no chance, no chance. Well said, Andy. Uh, final comments then before we close out. Des says, if Triple G fights Charlo or Canelo next and gets uh, well beat, will he be remembered like Vasily Girov? Uh, great fighters, but just didn't beat the big names. Yeah, Girov had a lot of good wins, but not great wins. And then that one step up against Tony, obviously lost. And I think he ended up at heavyweight and then falling into Bolivian, as Mike Tyson would say. JG says, uh, G Triple G was a beast a few years back, but seeing him against Murata shows you where he is. Uh, Canelo stops him, the gas tank's gone, while Canelo's has got better. Just before we go on to the undercard with Andy, Matty, first of all from you, we're going off on a tangent, but why not? It's episode 469, we might as well. I personally wanted Canelo in his next fight, two fights to fight to go the Charlo Benavidez route rather than Bivol Golovkin, but we know where he's chosen, we know where he's going. Would you have rather seen Canelo going against Charlo Benavidez, or are you happy with the decisions he's made? I think this works out well, because um, I, I think that there's just money and business sense. Uh, a trilogy between Golovkin and Canelo is needed because I think all real boxing fans see that one as 1-1, regardless of uh, how we think the outcome is going to be. And uh, and and I I think for Canelo, um, you know, a light heavyweight title fight against Bevel. I mean, that's that's an interesting fight. It's a ballsy fight. Um, and and I think that has uh, much more uh, historical value for uh, his resume as a fighter. Hello, Happy Mob. Kelly's jumped on the call. Just before we go to him, Andy, just a quick rundown of what you saw on the undercard. I only saw Junto Nakatani. Tell you what, he's a big old oh, unit, that fella. Uh, for a flyweight again. against Yamaguchi. Let Yamauchi, sorry, left him in a bit of a mess. And then I saw the back end of Masayuki Ito against Yoshino, but it was all about Nakatani, really. He looks pretty decent there, Andy, down at fly. Yeah, he's looking pretty solid to be honest with me. He was obviously levels above the guy that he fought, in my opinion. Beat the absolute shit out of him. Miles above him. Broke his nose, I think, probably round two. And this was the guy whose uh, nose just kind of seemed to morph into his forehead at one point, actually. That's how bad it was. You know, long arms, mean intentions, jabbed really well. And in the end, just beat the guy down, beat the absolute shit out of him. So, um,. I like to see the Sonny Edwards fight, to be honest. But obviously, I think Edwards is kind of facing, or he's wanting the Martinez fight. Um, I think Edwards is probably a wee bit too quick for the guy. But he is tall, he is big for the weight, actually. Really rangy. So it would be interesting to see if he was to tag Edwards, if he would, uh, you know, how he'd react to it. But obviously, you've got to try and catch him first, actually, if you can land a shot on him. Uh, undercard as well, I'm trying to remember. Um, uh, Yoshino, again, was it, was it Ito or Ito, where it was pronounced? Um... I thought it was, it was a bit of a scrappy fight, to be honest with you. Um, fair bit of kind of, you know, not so much hugging and that, but uh, we'd be at kind of close quarters. I thought Yoshino was, was pretty much well ahead. I thought I told maybe his experience maybe would have been enough to kind of see him kind of win the fight. Um, I think it got badly cut. I think, you know, fight got called off and it went to the cards, technical decision, and it was pretty wide, I believe, on the cards, to be honest with you. So, um, 
I thought it was a decent undercard. Not so, not so much that uh, that fight as such, but I thought that Nakatani fight against uh, Yamauchi was, was was really good. Especially when you see guys kind of like you know going to war like that. And Nakatani, as I say, is obviously coming in with with the intentions of seeking destroy. So I'm all done for that type of type of fighting. Um, I think that's all I kind of caught on the card to be honest with you, mate. And no problem, Andy. We'll go on to Ryan Garcia shortly, if we have to. Before we do that, Rapping Rob Kelly's here to save us. Good evening, Roberto. How are you doing Ooh! on this glorious Sunday evening? Yeah, doing good so far. Anyway, so far, so good. That could that could uh, pick up or deteriorate, depending on the, the remainder of the call, really. Uh, but just, you're, you're hosting tonight, Steve, are you? Just watch uh, yeah. the traffic. Uh, yeah, it's going to be grand, then. Just, just watch the traffic this week. Yeah, yeah. nearly got fucking done over on live, <laughs> live on the air last week, didn't I? Fucking okay, hell, okay. man. I don't know. In fairness, I think my reflexes were shot last week at that stage. Uh, but like Golovkin. Oh, I'm not going to say bit, perfect uh... segue there. Golovkin, <laughs> bit of lubing. We've gone through the two boys. Who got the worst beating of the weekend, Rob? Was it them or was it you? Who got the best lubing of the weekend um, <laughs> is the question that we should all be asking. Um, look, I, look, I think fucking I kind of said in the chat, I was, I was live tweeting to you guys, so it's not going to be a surprise my reaction to the Golovkin fight, but I honestly couldn't believe how bad he looked after, after four rounds. And listen... Don't get on me, Golovkin fanboys, about this because I am a Golovkin fanboy, but I am a realistic one as well. At 40 years of age and 16 months out of the ring, he looked every bit his age. I thought, um, like seriously in in trouble. I thought like he he might look like he was going to get stopped later on down the fight after the first three rounds. He was breathing so heavy, um, the body work was taking it out of him from Murata, but found a way to win like a champion does, and you can't take that away from him. Scrappy performance by his own standards. The feet look heavy now. I'm not having this whole thing. I think some of the, the I don't know who the Dazone commentary team were, but some of them were saying like that Golovkin was never a boxer. Piss off. Like I'm not having that at all with <laughs> his amateur pedigree. The way he used to shuffle out of distance um, when he was younger and fitter guy was actually something to behold. He never took, I don't know, everyone goes on about Golovkin's iron chin, but apart from the Canelo fight, um, or up until that point of the Calero fight, there wasn't that many times where he actually saw Golovkin get caught with something clean either. And when he did, he used to, to shake it off. So he obviously has a chin and durability and resilience. And it made for an entertaining fight. This version of Golovkin versus that version of Murata made it made for an entertaining fight. But I like I've, I've been saying it anyway for a year and a half. I don't think I think if Canelo fights him now, he stops him. And I think it's purely a pay a, a, a payday. I think there was better fights out there that we could have seen Canelo in. I'm not happy with that fight at all. I think it's a, it's a bit of a it's a fucking the zone buster kind of a deal. Um, I would way prefer to see Canelo or Golovkin. Actually, I would way prefer to see Canelo against one of the Charlos. Um, not saying that they're more of a test than fucking Gennady Golovkin. That's not what I'm getting at. But we've seen they've done it. Golovkin's not knocking out Canelo. We've seen that already. He hasn't been able to knock him out as much as we might think he won the first fight. He wasn't able to knock Canelo out. He's not going to be able to knock him out now either. And he's definitely not getting a decision. So what is this? Like a pointless endeavor or a chance for Canelo to stop Golovkin? And I personally don't want to see him going out like that. Um, I think it's a pity he was avoided during his middleweight reign. But it is what it is. And here, this is where we are. He's hanging out for that third Canelo fight and he wants it. So he's getting it. But I think there was better opposition out there. Apart from the Bivol fight, which is a dangerous fight for Canelo. Doesn't maybe offer much as a puncher maybe, but... Um, it's a tricky night for him, but we've seen this tricky night again for Canelo. We've seen Billy Joe Saunders, we've seen Caleb Plant. Bivol, I think, is a level up from the two of those, but I think it's still going to be a similar outcome. And even if Bivol shades it, he's not getting it on the card. So I'm not saying there's no point in anybody fighting Canelo, but I think there was more exciting fights for the consumer than Golovkin Canelo 3 on the horizon. 
Yeah, I threw that question out earlier, and I tend to agree. I would have rather have seen him, Rob, take the Charlo Benavidez route. Uh, shout out to you, Prediction League master. You picked Fundora last week to beat Lubin, and that's exactly what he did. Yeah, well, look, he's fucking six foot five, man. Like, I'm not saying he's good. I was, I was slaughtering him on the show last week, if I, if I remember correctly, from his, for his techniques and his fundamentals. But he's still six foot five in a fucking hundred and fifty four pounder's body, and Lubin is like five foot nine or something. Is he five foot eight? So that was a big ask. Um, Fun fight, by the way. Fun fight for Fondora. I'm actually on the Fondora hype train again now. After that, um, I want to see where it goes because, as well as that big guy, like I'm the same, mate. I'm on that fucking train there as well. Well, the, in it, like with big guys like that, like say big guys in smaller weights. So you look back over the years, like Mark Breland, Tommy Hearns. Like I'm not comparing them to Mark Breland or Tommy Hearns, <laughs> by the way. Don't get that. That's not what yeah. I mean. But when those guys who are so much taller at the weight class, when they get knocked out, it's always way more fun to watch. <laughs> like yeah. remember the Barkley yes. knockout of Hearns, the fucking um, the the Aaron Superman Davis knockout of Mark Breland. They always kind of tend to go. Um, I think Michael Nunn and James Tony falls in that category as well. Nunn was quite tall, so I'm, I'm looking forward Martinez, to the, Paul Williams. Another great shout. So there you go. Like that's the. I'm I'm going to ride the fucking Fundora hype train until the wheels fall off. At this point, um, I'm interested to see him in better matchups against better opponents. Let's see it. Like he fucking brings something interesting, big, awkward, like freaking nature. Like how the fuck is he getting into a hundred fifty-four pounds at six four five? Like it's insane. So, what do you think about his inside the work? Because I thought you know, finally we get a guy. Be okay, I'll keep it at a distance. But I thought he came in close with the guy. He's just what? pounding the shit out of him. But that's what that's what that's what the fucking frustrates me about looking at him. Because if I was boxer size Ben now, and I'd be looking at the exits and the entries, and the exit points and the entry wounds, uh, I'd be trying to get him to box a, a different style. But he doesn't fucking fight the style of his size at all. He fights on the inside most of his career, like so. He's entertaining as fuck, man. Let's get let's get more of Fondora. Like let's get him out there. Him versus Connor Ben. Catch weight. Oh, Connor Ben. <laughs> I was saying earlier. I was saying earlier, though, Rob. You look at him and you think you've got a strategy. Lubin's people had a strategy, but executing it when you got that That's... big octopus or hanging all over you is a different matter. I don't give a fuck how good or bad you are. Look at Floyd Mayweather fighting uh, fucking Logan Paul or which one of the Pauls it was. He couldn't knock him out because he's too fucking big. He's like. That's a terrible analogy. They're going to come from my head after that one. But you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like, it's like, as good or as bad, or whatever you think Fondora's skill set is, go and do something to him. Because you're fucking, you're giving up six, seven inches of height on him. Like, well, I saw somebody on Twitter say, um, Sebastian Fondora is a height bully. He needs to move up to fucking 200 centimeters or whatever. The fuck <laughs> But uh, yeah, no, like he's he's a fun fight. Uh, he's a fun guy, like isn't he? He's, he's living up to the name Fundora. He's entertaining fights, and he's going to give everybody a contest at this stage. And you know, if he gets wiped out, he'll come again. Like he'll have another chance, or he can move up a weight. He can. The, the, I'm I'm sure... the boys here, Robbie. He was saying post fight, um, he's wanting to fight Chalo next, so he's talking big. But he's also he mentioning this is um, he's a bit of a nasty dude. He comes across quite goofy or geeky in that but he was mentioning for example that he, he loves to break people's faces Lovely. I don't know how Lubin there looked there last night well, Lubin I'm definitely had a break that. Lubin looked like he, there was four or five people had jumped him in the fucking dressing room didn't yeah, he by the end of the fight like, look at that look at the picture of him there but that's what 154 pounders that's what that's what you got to deal with like how do you get in how do you get close to this guy and if you get close by the way he can fight on the inside so yep. yeah Fondora's Fondora did the biz yeah, clearly a hard man all Fundora, talking of exciting fights, there wasn't one over on our final instalment in the Alamo Dome, San Antonio, Texas, Ryan Garcia in the main event, back in action 
One of the most embarrassing things about this, Matty, was the countdown. He's been out for so long. Everyone's desperate to see King Roy back in the ring. I mean, I was excited to see him back from the point of view of the £135 division. We need fighters in there. We need them active. But going in against Emmanuel Togo, looked like he was fighting a Poundland Hank Lundy. The size difference was absolutely crazy between the two of them. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, I'm just happy to see that the uh, some of the pygmy tribes are uh, trying their hands at boxing, Steve. <laughs> Um, it's good for them. Good for them. Um, you know, uh, take the L, take the paycheck and, uh, you go back home. Right. Um, that I, I'll tell you what, other than rounds two and 10, if you saw, you know, one round, you saw them all, um, the, the Garcia landed a cl- clean uppercut, um, put down, uh, Tego in, in the, in the second. And then it was just basically him walking around the ring and landing uh, the occasional right hand, the occasional body shot as uh, Tego jabbed uh, and, and moved his way around the ring. He didn't stand in very much. Um, it was pretty boring. We'll see how the the uh, Joe Goosen-Ryan Garcia uh, combination works out. Um, it didn't work out in realms of entertainment, um, but, it you know, I mean, it was a, never competitive at any point, so they got the W. Um but I, you know, considering where he left off out of the ring, um, you know, last year off that great knockout victory, um, and coming back here to that, um, you talk about losing stock during that time. Um, the only person who stock uh, from 135 that might have gone down more was Tiafimo Lopez, and that's just for the way he acted in reaction in uh, reaction to that defeat to Cambosis, and he's not even 135 uh, topic anymore. Um, so if Garcia is not careful, he could find himself left out because golden boy, isn't a, a, you know, a huge promoter at this point in time, talent exists elsewhere. So if he wants those fights, if he wants that, uh, that legacy, um, he's gotta be careful. Um, you know, I, I, I know the zone, uh, is, is working with Cambosis. Um, and even though this Haney fight is over on top is on, uh, I think it's on ESPN. Um, but it's just, it's. I can't think of, like I said, it's hard to think of a guy whose stock has gone down that much in a year. Um, inactivity and, and a negative uh, presence on social media of complaining all the time, it's not the right look. He's been busy the last 16 months, so Matt, he's got tattoos. Yeah, what does he have? Does he have a, does he have a sword? Does he have a sword on his on his back now? Is like what is he trying to look like? Fucking he, Thor Bjornsson or something. He's been busy anyway. We getting the getting the tatties put on as as Ebbs would say. It's well, it's so weird. It's like, and I don't trust when people do that. Like some people are into tattoos and shit. But do you remember? Like it seemed like every time Miguel Cotto took a loss, he got yeah. more tattoos. Yeah, it's like early life crisis, isn't it? Yeah, like I'm securing my manhood by writing on myself. I'm gonna get these Chinese symbols on it that says <laughs> "Man of War." Let nobody told you that it says "Donkey Show Handler." You know, uh, it's, you got to be careful with these translations. Uh, I, I'm sorry. I I don't trust the fucking translations of Chinese this, and Puerto Rico. Where does Goosen train out of these days? Because I noticed Garcia's apparently moving to Texas, apparently. So is that where oh, Goosen's based? No, I thought it's, Goosen was always West West Coast, you know, LA or something, wasn't it? T- tax reasons, obviously. Mm, I don't know. But the thing is with Garcia, he hasn't been he hadn't he hadn't been annoying me as much because even for his out of the ring antics, at least he'd been getting in the ring, he'd been aggressive, he'd been knocking people out. He went on that little run, he knocked out Juno, and then Luke Campbell was at the end of it, the beginning of last year, I think it was. And I thought to myself, 
yeah, fine. You know, at least he's aggressive, he's explosive, Andy. He's not afraid to let the shots go and he's backing it up in the ring. And then he goes missing for 16 months or whatever it was, and he, even when he hadn't been annoying me as much. But I'll tell you one thing that was annoying me on Saturday night, last night, Togo's holding. Now, there are different types of holding in boxing, but Togo's was just the most egregious holding. He was just blatantly yeah. leaning in, wrapping his arms around like a bear hug. The referee should have done a little bit better for me. Garcia, no, he seemed happy to take the breaks. What do you think about uh, Togo leaning in and hugging, giving him a little cuddle at times? I've never seen the fight, mate. I only read the fight reports and some guys were saying that... You. Yeah, I know. Some guys were saying that, you know, Togo would actually really just stunk it up and you know, obviously after the knockdown it was pretty much you know, cemented after that. Um, as for, like, Garcia annoying me, what annoys me really about fighters these days or this generation of fighters, I, I feel like I'm sounding like an old man here, which I'm probably getting to at this point, but when when they start clout chasing off someone else's victory, for example, like Cambosis when they beat, you know, Lopez or when Lopez beat Lomachenko, you've got fucking Haney and, you know, Garcia, that'll fucking, you know, I'll fight him next, you know, try, just basically try to ride on the coattails of someone else's victory. You know, this kid's fought three times in three years, right? He's supposed to be coming in at his peak at some point, and he's talking like you know, he's talking like he's like the next coming the fucking Roberto Duran, or he's going to be like clean up all these belts. He just needs to get his shit outside the ring in order first. Get his mental health sorted out if it is an issue. Uh, maybe box is not for him actually if, if mental health is a, is, is a problem uh, to be honest with you. Didn't but, Roberto Duran have like 70 fights by the time he was 25? But, but Roberto Duran used to love getting guys in the guys in the gym up at fucking Stillman's actually. And he didn't care who they were, you know, if it was a white collar guy, get them in here, I'll fucking smash, smash fuck at them. But that's segueing, but he's just talking about, like, say, um, uh, Garcia. I just need to see him step it up. Uh, maybe fighting guys like Tago, really about that level over the next couple of fights would do him the world of good, actually, because he needs to be active, he needs to be fighting, you know, toughish oppositions before he's fighting for world titles because he's been doing the pecking order at this point. Um, I don't see him ranked very highly in any of the bodies, to be honest with you, um, unless things changed over the last couple of weeks. So he's going to have to kind of start earning his, earning his position now. And again, obviously, it comes down to the kind of social factor as well. He's, he's got the following, he's got the looks, he's got, you know, he's got, as I say, he's got a bit of hype behind him. And that, but that's not going to carry so far. You know, at the end of the day, I hate to see talent go to waste when it doesn't work hard enough because talent only carries you so far. It's when you have to fucking dig it out. That's when you fucking know you've got the minerals. You know, the guys are going to stick in there when the talent's no fucking going to fucking pull you out the fire. You've got to dig it out. Basically, going to the trenches. I've thought we'd see that for him because he's had it all his own way at this point. Obviously, he got off, off the floor against Campbell really well because I thought he was sparkled that's the way he went off, off that shot. And I still believe he's carrying a bit of glass as well. I think if he meets Davis, for example. I think Davis sparks me, to be honest with you. I think it's his um, defence, Andy. I think he's too open at times. Yeah. His he, chin he, is straight up in the yeah, fucking air say, when he's coming in. That's what I was going to say. See me throws that left, took the chin, it's fucking up, air out in the breeze, just begging to be hit. Um, so we'd be kind of tightening that. I, I, I think, like, so Romero would fucking probably beat him, actually, to be honest with you, because Romero's, with some of his shots, with, with you know, the angles he throws and uppercuts, I could see him maybe catching Garcia with something. Um... So we'll just need me see, but as I said, I asked you guys if there anything worth on that the zone card worth watching. You said no, don't bother. Um, I read the fight reports, as I says, and it didn't seem to be impressive for what I read at least. Uh, so I'm not going back to watch it. To be fair with you, 
Rob, we're all about the important issues on this podcast, as you well know. Tell you what, Ryan Garcia linking up with Joe Goosen, it's the perfect match made in heaven for me, especially if Joe's get-up has anything to go by last night. That denim, specially made denim for the occasion, embroidered RGs all over the back. What do you think? A match made in denim. Um, (laughs) uh, I've I've got my doubts over that as a long-term partnership, to be honest with you. I like Goosen. Um, I think... In theory, it's a good move for Garcia to kind of go, you know, step away from maybe the glamorous side of the, the Reynosos and go with the kind of back to grassroots. Joe Goosen, been there, done it, tra- trained umpteen world titles, been involved in iconic moments in the sport. Um, On paper, it looks like a good match. But I just think, like, what must Goosen be looking at when he sees this fucker coming to the ring? I just don't... Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm not, like, and I'm not. I was high on the on the Ryan Garcia hype train, like very, very high on him. I think I thought, like, when he done the business against Campbell, that's a that was a legitimate litmus test for him at that point of his career. And you're thinking if he comes through that and he comes through it spectacularly, like he did with the body shot, like get up off the floor, stop him. What more do you want? Like, he gets up off the floor, he stops him. He's calling Tank Davis. He's calling Devin. Haney, he's telling Devin Haney get back in line. He's the Gmail champ. He's doing everything right, and then we get this break from the sport that's been said is a mental health break and like look at mental health is so important um these days and there's so much focus around it that it is you know it's never been addressed probably more than ever than the current times and you know people need help and that, that is okay and all that like i understand that like you know me more than anyone i'd say i understand that like and i'm sure the listeners can relate to that but i do think sometimes it can be used because it's not one of these things you can qualify like an injury um, and I'm not saying that the kid doesn't have mental health issues, but I have big suspicions over Ryan Garcia. Um, number one, his attitude to the sport. I think Canelo and Reynoso Camp were dropping hints, uh, blatant hints over into the media over the last couple of months, basically saying that Garcia doesn't train. Now, we might not feel like training if he's got shitty mental health, which is understandable as well. Um how do I say this? But I can't. Like it's an awful, it's an awful fucking assumption to make if I'm wrong. But I just think that say I think it. that I think he's, I think he's, I think he's half. He has one foot in the sport. I think he's in love with being a TikToker more than he's being yeah, a fighter. I believe the same. Yeah, I think he's got too much fame, too too much money, too early in his career, mm-hmm. too much ass. Which will fucking fuck a lot of things up. Was fuck fuck things up for a too lot of fighters drama. over the years. Too much well, drama. And he's mate. he's got to move. Oscar at the time when, when when he got the new contract with Oscar, he was in going on about oh, it's not enough money. You see, he's getting baby mamas. He's getting it's all over the place. Oh. He's got fucking. And he's gonna move to Texas where they have this fucking abortion ban and shit like this. Yeah, motherfucker's gonna be holy filled in it. Because he's not paying income tax, man. That's the reason he's saving it for fucking our money payment. There's some. There's something that I think. I look, look at all of them are doing stuff outside the ring. I'm not saying like fucking Tank Davis is an evangelist outside the ring. I'm just saying I think it's more obvious that Garcia is kind of... He's got too, yeah, he's got too much money, too much fucking ass thrown at him, too much fame at an early age. And when the, po- the point has come where he's had to step up, he's disappeared in the thin air. Plus he's coming back looking extra, extra muscular for a 135-pound fighter, by the way. Not saying he's not a big kid and all. But like I don't know, like he's out of the sport, out of competition for sixteen months, and he comes back looking like fucking Schwarzenegger. Like I don't know, I don't know. I've got just, his mental just, health is roid rage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like I've, I've, there's plenty of question marks, and there's plenty of questions around Ryan Garcia, around Ryan Garcia, and the only way that they're going to be answered is when he fights. So he's back now. We give him a gimme. If the next opponent is like that or anywhere near around that level, 
the hardcore fans want to be asking some serious questions around Garcia. Like, wouldn't they? Not that he gives a shit about that because his real fans are hot ass Latinas, fucking. So he don't care. Like, but I, I think you know, I think the boxer fans are going to turn on him if if they keep on turning out opponents like that because he's hiding shoulders above that guy. Plus, he should stop that guy. By the way, I don't care how long he's been out. He's so many much more. Um, he had so many more kind of advantages in the fight than Tago or whatever the fuck his name is, Tago. Um, it was it was, a, it was an opponent he really should be stopping. Anything okay. on the undercard, Matty? Real quick, see, I'll tell you what. Yeah. I, I have two pieces of advice for these young uh, young fighters that have a lot of talent and then not they have advice, a lot ahead of them. No, it's not betting advice. Uh-huh. And uh, we'll get to that in a second on the undercard. Um but I'll tell you what, uh, two things. One, you, you kids need to avoid social media. It, 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 it takes away uh, your focus on what you need to be doing. And uh, uh, people want so much of your time that way. And you get too much pussy thrown at you, plain and simply. And two, um, speaking of that, get a visectomy. They can be reversed. You can have kids. There is such a, there is such a thing as too much, by the way. Just for you know, youngsters out there. There's such a thing. It'll fall off you. Oh, 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 that's my just the old fashioned wear a rubber. Yeah, those those can break though, <laughs> and and like oh, and oh, trick, dude. Oh, no, no, oh, there was there was an end. It was either an God. It might have might have been Drake. I was like, as an athlete, but it might have been Drake who he took off. Drake. He took the hot sauce in it. He put hot sauce in it so the bitch couldn't put like pull the condom out and put his stuff back in her. Why? Because he read the fucking case like everybody else of the woman in America who was the maid uh, and the doctor had left a Johnny in the fucking trash and she decided to fucking, you know, do the turkey baster job and then she successfully sued him for the paternity test and the judge ruled in her favour so Drake was like, give me this hot sauce now. Now. <laughs> Cameron Lee says, is this where boxing's heading? Brian <laughs> <laughs> and I are trying to help. Robbers. Robbers since they found a cure for AIDS that time. I don't no. think fucking that's going to be an issue, is it? Not, not oh, sure about the vasectomy advice, Matty. You might be in pain years later. Later, so we're here. I like the police would tell me on the point of ejaculation, withdraw. Is that right, Father? On the point of ejaculation, could lean the weight. I fucking horses can make my arse go in another direction, by the way. Father David has said that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, how am I going to lead us back to the undercard from this, Matty? Be gay for your career, you know? You're not going to knock not gonna knock up a dude. I mean, I'm sure they're working on it, but um, at this point, you're not going to be knocking up dudes. Uh, just just, just go with that. Something yeah. tells me the withdrawal method's not going to work for you because you never know when to get out. Come on, Steve. <laughs> well, <laughs> hey, hey, Steve, Rob did mention the word AIDS there, so I'm going to jump on that ESPN card now. No, oh, so, yes, exactly. Real quick, so, you, so speaking of betting, you assholes, you, you assholes, I didn't even watch the fight because I heard it suck, but you assholes talked me out of Mosley Jr. winning against Gabe Rosado. Fuck barely, y'all. Barely Fuck y'all. Who did? You, I, I picked Mosley. I'm sure I did. No, you. I, I don't think you did. I said I. I'm like, man, it's Rosado. He like he could get cut. He could take it too easy. You guys, oh, he's not going to lose to Mosley Junior. And here we are. I don't know. So, anyways, yes, that was apparently an awful fight. Uh, the uh, uh, Azad Havanishan, though on that undercard, Steve. He got a mm. he got a good he got a good stoppage on there. Came out like a. Just uh, like gangbusters, close the distance, whaled away. Um, that that you know, fun fun little fight while it lasted. Um, and uh, there was a, a women's uh, unification. 
uh, between, uh, uh, God, I can't remember the other gal's name, uh, but Marlon Esparza won a decent enough fight. Um, basically, Esparza's clean right hands against the work rate of the Japanese gal. Uh, good enough fight, uh, but uh, overall, shit card from zone. Uh, Got to give him at least one thumbs down on that one. And what about that ESPN card? I didn't watch it on principle, but I believe you did. Uh, I thought that Michaela Mayer looked really good against Jennifer Hahn. Um, it, you know, at, at 12 threes, 10 threes, uh, she would have gotten a stoppage in that one for sure. Uh, so it'll be interesting where she's going to go from there. She's talking a uh, unification with the, um, God, I can't remember the uh, the fighter, uh, I believe Japanese gal. Um, uh, um and Alicia Baumgartner is, uh, no, that's who Alicia Baumgartner is going to be going for, I think. So, but it looks like the top rank in, in the zone, it looks too complicated. And I don't think we're going to get to see uh, Mayer against, uh, Mayer against um, uh, Baumgartner. And that, that's, a, that's a shame because uh, they actually like to both go in there and swing. Uh, so that, that could actually be a decent fight. What did her husband think about that? I don't know about that one, man. I'll, I'll tell you what, Rob. I just think it's I think it's sexist for people to be against women's boxing in a way because number one, if you think women are like too dainty to be like getting knocked out and shit like that, you're a sexist. And two, if you think that women don't deserve to get punched in the face as much as men get ter- deserve to get punched in the face, you're also a sexist. So you know, yeah, that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Uh, but no anyway. sexist on this show, dude. I don't know who you're addressing. That's oh, it. no, I know. Uh, I know. We, we, we are definitely very progressive on this show. Leaders in rights for all people. Uh, so that is that is the boxing asylum in a nuthouse, right? Um, also on that card, Giovanni Santion. Uh, he just beat the shit out of Giovanni Barraza. Absolutely uh, just gave him a, a smoking. And uh, it, it's just looking it, – this kid's moving up. Uh It'll be interesting to see uh, where where he's going to go from here. Uh, Braz is a decent enough opponent. Uh, he has a fair bit of uh, of experience, obviously. Um, so, uh, yeah, we'll see where this is going from there. All in all, a, a fair card from ESPN. Um, but it's I don't think they're going to be putting up their A stuff going up against uh, another exceptional offering from Al Heyman. Praise be, Steve. Praise be to Al Hyman. Love a bit of Al Hyman. He's pulling up Spence Ugas next weekend, but we're not going to talk about that one, first of all. We are going to go over to DAZN on Saturday evening. Um, Alicia... Give <laughs> me happy. Is Terry Harper still in orbit? <laughs> I think she's been rewired. <laughs> Bring her back down to earth. Bit of Alicia Baumgardner. She's on the undercard next weekend. Jordan Thompson. Gigantic Cruiserweight is on as well. We've got Campbell Hatton. We've got Jack Cullen. We've got Chris Billum-Smith going in against Tommy McCarthy, uh, part two. But the main event here, Saturday the 16th of April, Manchester Arena, Andy. Christian Church is the matchmaker. Nobody cares about that, but I've read it out anyway. Conor Ben going in against Chris Van Heerden, WBA continental welterweight title fight. Somebody said uh, a couple of weeks ago, I don't know if I mentioned it on the pod, uh, Van Heerden's uh, on a decent run at the moment. He's coming off the back of a no contest <laughs> against Jerron Ennis. So I suppose that's some kind of form <laughs> to be coming into this one. <laughs> what, do you th- what do you think about the opponent, Andy, and about uh, Conor Ben's chances of getting a stoppage against Mr. Van Heerden? So Mr. Van Heerden's having a bit of a rush shaker, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, look, I've not seen Van Heerden since the Boots final. It went one, one round. I can't even remember, you know, Last time I saw him after that, so 
I don't know why he's going to bring at this point, mate. Um, Ben's been active as such. He's made incremental improvements, shall we say. Um, the only slight that I probably got really would be to see him step it up beyond Van Heerden's level. I don't think, I don't even know if he's world ranked. Um, so I just want to see him in, in be better. I mean, if, if you're calling it, you know, names like Can or Brook or uh, forget who else he's been calling it at this point. I mean, if if you look at like um, the top ten at WBA, for example, you got NS, Virgil Ortiz, Stanley Onis, um, Avanesi, I believe, bring up the top ten WBA. He was highly ranked with WBC. I don't know why you can't fight like say, these guys or Mario Barrios, but as I say, it goes back to the fact that Eddie's need a star. He's need to hype someone up, try to build someone. Um, that said, though, I, I, I do expect Ben to have it all his own way in this fight, to be honest with you. Um, I would be slightly surprised if it does go a distance because, again, I just don't know what to, you know, I've got no form guide for Van Heer. I don't know what he's bringing at this point. Um, he's bad for cuts, I believe. I think he can sometimes lead with the head. So there, there's that element. We might get an early night in that regard if, if any cuts come in. So, you know, Ben might need to be kind of slightly kind of cautious as to how he tends to go to this fight, like no going to go in boss deep, shall we say, but I think Ben will probably stop him, probably mid to late rounds, eh, possibly. Um, one thing I did want to bring up though was about the Alicia Baumgartner fight, actually, I, I seen something kicking about on Twitter, I think it was Ranger Rollins actually was bringing this up, apparently Eddie tried to get a hold of someone called, uh, is it Michaela Ellum, I, th- I think she might be French, um, she got offered the fight on one week's notice. Rejected it obviously, and now I see she's actually in with Lucas Matisse's sister, who's 41 years old. Yeah, so we uh, a bomb gun against stepped up in class at the right time here. So I didn't want to hear anything about, or oh, you know, I see people saying like Eddie's put on these great undercards and BT wank and all that type of which is probably true, which is absolutely true. Actually, some of the BT get a life, get a life, mate. Even Ed, but at the same time, as you know, given Bomb Gardner, who's meant to be a world champion. An opponent on seven days' notice who has to fly just, over an ocean from Argentina. It's just completely shit, man. It might be indicating shit. that the, the, the talent pool there in that division is not that thick. Um, it actually is that, like, it, it's you know, I don't have anything in front of me, but 130, 135, 126. That's kind of where there's a there is a fair bit of talent it's kind of you know if you look at how much uh talents at 147 to 160 in men's it's kind of the equivalent that's just where the normal sized people are um so it's a particularly poor opponent um just trying to load an undercard with someone who has a smidge of name recognition on short notice um not impressed at all are you impressed with the main event there, Matty Ben against uh, Van Heerden? No, no, um, no. Especially uh, considering what uh, Ben thinks of himself and where he's going and the level of talent he says he can beat right now. The thing um, is, right, we're, 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 we're going to see probably uh, we'll probably like bum him up when you actually get knocked out. But Ben's probably going to win, probably win big, and then we're going to get the angry comments after the fucking fight. I'll fight anyone. I'll fucking fight this guy. I'll fight Spence. Fucking you guys, Bataev, whoever it is, Crawford, and then he ends up fighting probably like I don't know, Kel Kelbrook, Robert Guerrero, why or fucking you know, maybe even get. I've got a perfect opponent for Carter Ben. Who, 
former, uh, if he's seen as he's going to be fighting former Conor McGregor's sparring partners, why doesn't he bring Polly out of retirement for one last goal? <laughs> fucking hell. Polly's trying to fucking hide to fucking Colonel Bob there. That's what's happening with him. <laughs> but you could, you could see him like maybe fight like a Lewis Ritson, for example, you know, or a, something, something along that ilk. You know, something below world level, but it's not going to be kind of affect him as such because, well, I think they know. Well, you've heard the stories and that about him getting his possibly get his jaw broke and that's why he was away, you know, for you know for that length of time. You just don't know if he's maybe hiding something as well, you know. I mean his dad, I mean obviously me, I'm a big fan of his dad was one of my idols growing up. His dad was he had a bit of fragility about him. Obviously he'd suspect chin, gas could be a bit of an issue in that as well. So maybe it's the same with young corner. What do you think about the level of opposition, Bob? We've gone from Sebastian Formella, not Sebastian Fundora, into Vargas, into Granados, into Algeria, into Van Heerden. Is this where <laughs> boxing's heading? Well, what you've got to understand, Steve, is this guy's just had a non-decision against Jaron Ennis. Hmm. That doesn't count as a win, mate. That's, you know, he's had a non-decision against Jaron Ennis. That is the level that Conor Fucking Ben is hell, at. Man. Get yourself a life. Get a life. That was me, Eddie Horn. Evening, Eddie. Evening, Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it, it, I, I, I was, I was one of the guys that was kind of on par with what they're doing, or on board with what they're doing with Conor Ben, because Eddie at the zone, evening, Eddie, is clinging on for a fucking uh, UK pay per view star that can come along and fill Anthony Joshua's. Uh, <laughs> fill the void that Anthony Joshua's going to leave. That's the careful way of phrase that. Um, in the in the in the long term, like and Bain is the only one on the roster that's carrying any star power and to drive subscription numbers on that app, um, he's going to need uh, he's going to need Conor Bain undefeated and people tuning in to see him smashing and knocking fellas over and putting together nice little Instagram uh, highlight reels and that. Like, plus he had to learn on the job, didn't he? He was a total fucking novice. A couple of years ago, he fought that kickboxer, didn't he? Payet or fucking Gustavo Payet. He was playing for Chelsea. He's, uh, I lost he it. Fought. Yeah, when he got the shit beaten out of him, he, he kind of, he, like he, on, on national television, everybody's looking at him as a kind of a joke figure and that. But he's, you know, he's he's put himself in the, in the argument. I'm not saying he's fucking world class, like, or I'm not saying he's going to be what's world champion these days. Could he get a version of a world title belt? Absolutely. And that's what they're, they're navigating him towards. So I don't expect him to see... Um, Conor Bain in with anybody that can beat him until he gets to a title stage where he might have to take a mandatory like Hellbrook or Errol Spence or something but I think that you know they're, they're looking for a version I don't know where they're going to go with him but you know you're not going to see him fucking they're going to be putting him in with these guys that he can beat on home ground look good doing it and build his profile up until they get a, get a, get a hands on a world title and that has to be the strategy for him and you know a big domestic rivalry would be good for Ben, I think, at this stage. I don't know if it's ever going to be Avanesian, but he needs, I think he needs a dance partner to to come up, to step out and become a fully fledged star. And until that happens, he won't he won't be able to earn the right, I suppose, in the hardcore's minds as being. I agree with that, actually, mate. You're right, with you're saying there, because he's not got anything domestically really to kind of like challenge to him. To push him, that's where his yeah. dad, like they had that, like they had that rivalry. You Watson, Collins. He, I think the Brook fight would have been a great fight for him if they could have had that made. Um, for for loads of reasons, like um, would have been would have been would have been brilliant for him. But they're going the Eubank Road or whatever the Eubank fight. I suppose you know. I think they're they're that starved of a domestic opponent for him or a dance partner or a rivalry for him that they were talking of entertaining that fucking uh, Eubank Junior fight at a catchweight. So look, it'd be interesting to see where he goes. I'm not against Conor Ben. I think he's actually got an exciting style. 
Uh, I think he has loads of um, frailties that could be exposed, but that's kind of what makes him exciting as well. I think when he does get beaten, it's probably going to be in spectacular fashion, but I've nothing against him. I have to say he's he's exciting and I like watching him, but we're not going to learn anything about where Ben is apt from fighting Chris Van Heerden on decision against Gerald Ennis. You know what I mean? Well said, Rob. He's exciting, he's improved, but let's see what he does with Chris Van Heerden and where he goes after that point. A quick mention of a couple of cars next weekend. We're not going to go in depth into them, though, because we are starting to run on a bit. Gavin Gwynn, uh, British title, Commonwealth title against Luke Willis next Friday evening, April the 15th in the York Hall. That should be a decent enough scrap. I think you can get that on YouTube or something. Uh, Jason Cunningham defending his European uh, Super Bantamweight title against Terry Lecoivier, that's some name, on uh, Telford International Centre in Telford, Shropshire, Next Saturday evening, Andrew Kane is on the undercard. Uh, so is Nathan Heaney. But you all... slumming it on the other one, mate, would you? <laughs> I've slummed it in Telford many times, Andrew. <laughs> oh, someplace. Oh, it's someplace indeed. Uh, anyway, moving on, Matty. Uh, never mind Telford. It's all about wherever this fight's taking place. AT&T Stadium, Arlington, Texas. The big one from next weekend. I'll be waking up on Sunday morning, uh, getting ready to get stuck into this one. We talked about the undercard last week. Uh, I'll just briefly go over the names, but not too much. Uh, F.A. Apache is on there. Vito Malnick is going in against Tommy Carpenzi's brother. Brandon Lee, citing puncher, is in against Zachary Ochoa. Uh, Jose Valenzuela is in against the ageless Francisco Vargas. Uh, Yuri Orkis Gamboa, nearly 40 years of age, is going in, in against Isaac Cruz. And Cody Crowley, undefeated, takes on Josecito Lopez. What about this one? Co-main event, is it? A chief support, rather. Amantis Stanionis, 13-0, going in against Rajab Butayev. Andy, this promises to be quite the fight. WBA, world welterweight title on the line. Is it a proper world title? No. Who cares? This is going to be a good fight, I think. And it's part of our predictions this week. Well, I'll let Marty bring that in there, because I think Steve went to you first, mate. So if uh, you want to go ahead. Yeah, I, uh, I I tell you what, Steve, and what's interesting is this is not the chief support. From what I saw last night that they said on Showtime, this is, is that I, do, I don't know, but this is going to be, uh, Stan Jonas Butaev is going to be the, um, Opener. is going to be on the Showtime portion of the card before the pay-per-view starts. Oh. So people will just be able to watch this who might not want to purchase the pay-per-view but have well, showtime. So um, I can get the VPN working. I might watch it on YouTube. Though. Well, I'm pulling for you, buddy. Um, so uh, uh, anyways, ball. this is a really good fight. Um, Stan Jonas, Steve, I was thinking about his jab. And honestly, I think it's it's one of the best welterweight jabs I've seen since Ike Corte. Um, it, it, it's, it's like a piston, man. It's, it's, it's an exceptional jab. Um, and I just think that that's going to command the fight for him. Uh, and I, I believe they'll set up some other stuff. I think it's a distance fight. Um, but my hunch on this one is, uh, Stan Jonas and that, uh, wicked jab of his, uh, lead him to a points decision against uh, Butaev, who has uh, no contest on his on his record that was originally a loss. Uh, so um, it, it's, you know, he, he you know, it's roids are roids, you know, some shit is different than others. Uh, so he's a opponent that got caught for roids, so wasn't it? Yeah, yeah it best boots in the big cheating yeah. bastard. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, so, you know, uh, take it with a grain of salt, but I really think that um, it, it's going to take more than what Butaev has to beat that one great weapon that Stan Jonas has, which is that jab. 
I'm going to stand here and he says, well, Andy, but I'm not sure by points or by stoppage. Butayev knows how to grind a fight out yeah. against Jamal James. He kept coming and coming, just beating him down until James couldn't take anymore. Stanley Onis will meet him head on. He's got a big bald head as well. There's going to be blood, I think, in this one. Yeah. And the two of them are just going to stand centre ring and go at it. And I think that one of them is going to wear down. And that could well be Butayev. So I'm going to tentatively go with Stanley Onis by a late stoppage. Right, I was going to go standing on this by decision, actually. Um, I, I, I agree with everything you just said. That's just how exactly I see the fight going out. These two guys are going to meet in the centre of the ring. Butayev, I mean, though, technically great, but what he does pretty well is you know, he can pivot really well. He can throw body shots. He, he is very active, very... Maybe a swarmer type puncher actually, but honestly, but she's standing on us, we'd be more, we more skill set about him. Good job, good combinations. I just don't know if his powers the same, to be honest with you. But again, as you say it might come down to who wants it most. But at this point, um, because I, I just because I, the way I see Butai fight, you know, he swings his shots. I see standing on us wanting to kind of back up a wee bit, maybe pop a jab. But I'm going to go standing on some points. Um, yeah, definitely on points. I'm really looking forward to this. I'm actually looking forward to this fight more than the actual main event, believe it or not. I agree. I agree 100%. Big one standing on us, to be honest with you. Yeah, the only thing I have really going back and forward, Andy, is whether he'll stop him or not. I don't think he's a terribly better fighter than Butev, like they're mm-hmm. miles apart, but I just think that it will come to a slugfest and they're going to stand there and go toe-to-toe. And I just think Stanley Ionis might get the better of it, but points, as you said, maybe might be the better option because he did go to points with Delorme and quite close yeah. on a couple of the cards as well uh, early last year. So, But I think it's going to be a slugfest. Neither of them are going to back down. I do expect there to be blood, definitely. Definitely, mate. Um, I agree with you. As I say, Stanley Ionis, he was a very he was a good amateur, I believe. I forget where I can I saw I think he might have did he fight in the Olympics for Latvia was it 16 or or Lithuania something Lithuania I think he fought Gazak is it Gaiazov the one of the Uzbeks I believe I can't remember he was one of those kids that came through running about uh, with the Uzbeks um, but they've put undefeated uh, titles on the line here as well I forget who's the belt holder here actually who is it Stanionis, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um, and I seem to be, I recall this is some sort of kind of a tournament fight as well. Let's not see who gets the winner of the Spence fight. I forget who. I think yeah. it might be, yeah, like the, the WBA, like finally clearing out their bullshit right. or something like That's that. Right. Yeah. Uh, because the other lot's got a WBA title on the line there, eh? the Ugas Spence fight. But I, uh, Stanionis, I say, he remembers, no, Stanionis, I think his last fight got done on a, was it a, no contest. Was yeah, that was Colazo. Was it head clash? I think it head ended up clash. Being... I think so. He's wonder mm-hmm. as well. Is these two maybe kind of coming in close quarters? Maybe a head clash. Maybe it might happen. Hopefully not. I may get a bad injury, but we didn't want any of that. Um, again, I just think it comes down to who wants it more and who could take more actually, because uh, I would definitely pay attention to Butayev's body shots. If Stanislavski can take those, um, probably Stanislavski's probably got the better opposition on his resume. Um, I'm just trying to think off the top of my head who Butayev is maybe thought it's maybe better. I don't think he has, to be honest with you. Maybe Jamal James is probably his best opponent he's faced to date. Stanley Ellis has got, you should say, Colazzo, Delorme, who's maybe seen better days. But Matoyev's Russian as well. He slipped in under the radar while yeah. Bivol takes all the heat. <laughs> <laughs> maybe people keep keeping the QT as well, you know. But he's been based in America for a fair bit now, I believe. Yeah, Mr. No Mercy. So, um, he's, he's a handful. He's definitely a handful of Matoyev, yeah. to be honest with you. Um, as I say, he's not technically great, but he can pivot pretty well. He can wing his shots, loves to hit the body. He'll come over the top in that as well. So if, unless Daniels maybe kind of slips up, maybe gets caught with chin in the air, it could be a good night for him. But as I say, these two guys are probably at their peak 
as well. So there's no excuses really to be honest with you. This, sh- this should be fight of the night or hopefully fight of the card, basically. Rob, I know you're all over this one. Lithuania versus Russia, Eastern Bloc Rock, Imantis Stanionis against Rajab Butayev. Who you got, Rob? By what method? <laughs> is this in the prediction league? Is it? <laughs> I, I think the white guy is going to win, Steve. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with the Lithuanian lad because uh, play against a couple of them in the Astro hard characters. Uh, so I'm going to go with the Lithuanian, my Lithuanian brothers on this one. One of them's name is Elvis. He He's does have a Greek man. name. <laughs> okay, uh, he, he does have a Greek uh, name. Yeah, so, but yeah, yeah, so Stadionis, I'll go for Stadionis. Because uh, his jab is fucking like a prime Ike Quarte, primarily. That's why I'm going for him. Stop points there, Rob. Yeah, I think he's going to do it inside the distance. All right. We are. I caught a jabs and Elvis, the Lithuanian, getting thrown in here on this Sunday evening. Let's go on to the main event. I there. thought he was Irish the first time I played against him. I thought it was one of those farmers' nicknames. Everyone's like, hey, Elvis, Elvis, give me the ball. And I kicked him. He went over. He's like, ah, he's like, so where the fuck is this fella from? <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> on to the main event. Uh, unfortunately, Andy, we are, we can't get to El Spence against Terence Crawford just yet, but this is a decent second place one for me. We expected Manny Pacquiao to be in this place, but you, Dennis Orgas, stepped in at short notice last year and laid a bit of a beating on the Pac-Man, sent him into retirement. So here he is, going in against another Southpaw. He has a good record against Southpaws, likes the right hand. He has Ismail Salas in the corner, underrated, top-quality Cuban coach. Are you sniffing an upset here, Andy, you guys against Spence? Yeah, um, I'll tell you what, mate. I must admit, I've been watching some of the build-up to this fight, including the Showtime documentaries, and yeah, I'm kind of feeling possible an upset here. Uh, even though I'm not going to pick it, because I, I don't see if it's a close fight, Spence getting, getting, you know, Spence not getting a decision. Basically, um, you guys, obviously, you know, he's 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 a he's a good fighter. Obviously, as you know. He, he can mix it up, he can vary, he can let his hands go, he can keep it at a distance if he wants to. Um, we've seen Spence get tagged, was the Garcia was his last fight, I remember seeing him yeah, getting caught by a few shots. Um, you often wonder as well, as just, I know it's like old news and behind, but it's just like, you know, is this car accident really going to catch up with him at some point? He's talking about PTSD issues off, off the car accident. He said that part of a couple of car wrecks or a car wreck after it, I think Rob maybe picked up on that one. Maybe correct me if I'm wrong there, mate. <laughs> no, he yeah. did, Jay. Yeah, every time he watches back to the just, future, he freaks out. Was just someone just give take the fucking keys off him, man? Anyone around? You know what I mean? Hide the keys around the house or something. Don't we just let him go out the car if he's in that state. Yeah, uh, he's he's obviously he's got his kids close to him now these days. He's even got them in the gym and he's working out. So clearly, the, the guy's had a massive wake up call. Uh, to be honest with you, but. I still think he's he's gonna have enough about him. I mean, look, I was surprised as to how good he was. I know, I know Danny Garcia, but at the end of the day, but Spence I thought looked pretty good after what he after what he'd been through operational wise, having to get his teeth and his jaw fixed up, and he's coming out a fucking roof of a sports car at what was it, 150 mile an hour and loving to tell the tale. It's nothing short of miraculous to be honest with you. So fair play to the guy, um, but at the same time as he's, he's fighting. I don't know, you know about tight t- terms of size and reach, but you guys is a big guy for the weight. Um, maybe slightly old for the weight as well, but he's 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 kind of hit hit the right point here. Um, if he puts it all together, I could definitely see him pulling off an upset. But I think Spence, 
probably has got enough about him. I say, and I say probably because I'm still convinced that there's going to be a hangover for the, for what happened to him. That's going to catch up at some point. He's he's drain drain his ass. TV's face trying to make weight. I remember having to make. Uh, I remember posting on Twitter actually having to dump thirty pounds uh, six weeks from uh, from from a fight. So hopefully he's got his weight under control. Maybe this whole situation has got his mind refocused. I don't know, but I just think after what he's been through, mentally, physically, that takes a toll on you at some point. And you just wonder, is, is next week going to be the week that he's going to catch up with him? I just don't know. But that said, I still think if it's a close fight, Spence gets a decision. But Ugas, certainly a live dog. He's got all the tricks. He knows how to fight. He can hit your body. He can mix it up. He can fake you to the body, hit you up top. So if Spence is not on it, he could come a cropper. But I still think he's got enough about him at this point still to pull it off. So I'll say Spence on points. Yeah, Des says Ugas was all wrong for Pac. However, I think Spence will be far too cute and measured for Ugas. Ugas will struggle to get into a rhythm and end up going into a shell. Spence, unanimous decision. That's my pick as well, Matty. I think Spence will win by unanimous decision. It won't be plain sailing, but I think he'll just be that one step ahead. Ugas, we've seen him lose in the past, albeit down at a, uh, the lower weight. Since he moved up to welterweight, he's been on a great run. Um, the uh, Porter fight notwithstanding, which I actually thought he did enough to at least get a draw in. He's on good form. He's a big old unit. But it's Spence for me, I think, Matty. The only thing I will throw in here, Andy mentioned it as well. I have it in my notes here. The car crash, it still looms large for me. We saw him fight Garcia after a long layoff. He's had another long layoff since then. He's had the eye injury as well that kept him out of that Pacquiao fight. Do we have a definitive answer yet on Spence's overall conditioning? I think we I, th- I think we do. I you have to consider um I he's done he's done okay since the car accident. He's he's I really think he's alright. I think his physical conditioning's fine. Um I, I think the more interesting thing is sometimes you have to look at um the who who the opponent you know prior was. And for me, you have to more look at Ugas and the Pacquiao that he fought which was not the same Manny Pacquiao that we've seen in the past. The legs weren't there. Um, totally different story in the way that he was able to move from Thurman uh, un, un, uh, until that fight with Ugas. Um, Ugas was able to do a lot uh, with the, in that fight with his jab uh, against the southpaw, so I think we have to concede that um, he has that skill. But I, I just do think that Spence is physically bigger He's the better puncher. He has more variety to his shots. And that um, that victory that Ugas has over Pacquiao, um, it, you know, great. It's on his on his resume that, you know, he beat Manny Pacquiao. Uh, very few people have been able to say that, especially later in Pacquiao's career. So um, he'll always have that. But I don't think it's as big of a victory as people think. Um, and the odds of him pulling off an upset like this two times in a row, definitely slim and none. Um, but to separate myself from the pack, try to make a little bit of a difference uh, point, I'm going to go with uh, Spence by stoppage. Ooh, Spence by stoppage. Raise us on that one, Roberto. Big A says Spence was driving the car that nearly took you out last week. <laughs> <laughs> if he'd have been driving it, none of us would be here, I don't think. Oh, um, Spence would have survived, though, mate. They'll end up in the fucking field with the sheep. Yeah, <laughs> with the sheep. Uh, 
<laughs> um, where the fuck was I? Um, Spence, I think Spence is going to show the world how good he is against Ugas. Uh, I think you're right, Steve. There's loads of questions that need to be answered on where he is physically uh, post the crash and post the PTSD and the eye operation. That, like, I think that's fair. Um, Danny Garcia, I don't know, was ever going to test him um, or bring him to dark places, but I think Ugas can. Um, he's a big awkward unit, as you said. Uh, he's long, uh, there's a couple of young fellas looking at me like a man on the street and talking boxing in the middle of the Get him on, go the next prediction for you, yeah? Uh, yeah, 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 so fucking, no, I think he's like, he's, a, he's big, long, awkward, Cuban style, um, he can cause difficulty for Spence, but I think, like, even in the Sean Porter fight, you're giving Ugas a shout of winning it, but Porter, although he gave Spence a very close fight, when it counted, Spence was able to show his class, and I think he'd do that again. Spence fans and fucking Bud Crawford fans annoy the shit out of me, by the way. They fucking both, they're both rooting for the other one to lose. Oh, mate, it's like Floyd Manny It's Manny ridiculous, fan, dude. It's weird it's as anything, man. It's so fucking weird. Like, there's a, there's a portion of the, the, the black support in America who view Crawford as a kind of a race trader for going with Aram and not signing with Alec and kind of like saying he deserves what he, what he gets and all. And they're kind of like rooting for him to lose. And I'm like, well, all these just root for the two of these fellas to win their fights until they actually fight each other, like, and fucking rally for the fight instead of fucking championing one and championing the other. Let's see the two of them. They're both brilliant welterweights. They've both shown so much good stuff. Right, one resume doesn't stack up ones, but let their fucking um, if they both fight each other, their resume is going to fucking speak for itself when it's all when the dust is settled. So let's try and let's try and get the fight made instead of fucking going down the Floyd Manny route with this one, like, because it's already fucking two or three years past its, its sell-by date, like, so let's see it. It's past its sell-by date. Have you got all the information you need there, Matty, Stanionis, uh, Butoyev, and Spence Ugas with the two picks for this week, yeah? Yeah, probably. Oh, I'm going Spence, uh, I'm going Spence. I think Spence can stop him, but I, I think it's going to be Spence's decision. Can you all recap, right. Matty, last week's results for us? Yeah, uh, we all picked Golovkin by stoppage, so uh, we're awesome on that account. And then uh, everybody picked Lubin except for uh, Rob, which Ooh. puts Rob in the lead with 22 points to Andy's 21, uh, Steve's 20, and uh, Oz and mine's 17. What about we goal difference, though? <laughs> it's a big factor <laughs> as well. <laughs> you took half a back just about the day, mate. In your own time, Andy. Yeah, Go exactly, on. mate. Just in there. <laughs> <laughs> right. Just I'm looking just like, at it. All of our betters. Like, I take it, it all went... You know what's been different for next week. You went with the stoppage, yeah? So yeah. everybody else is pretty much the same. Be, it'd be a statement if he stops him, I think. I'd be oh, surprised. It would be. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you've got to try to catch up somehow. Uh, so, but hey... If uh, anybody that's betting, if if the pan the panel was uh, unanimous this week as far as Spence winning and Stan Jonas winning, a two just a two leg parlay, two leg parlay. That's it. You know, just two legs. Maybe that's your play this week. I haven't seen the odds on Stan Jonas Butayev yet. It could be close. I could be close. I know Matty has to leave us soon. So thank you to him if indeed he does disappear. Before we go on to Belly of the Week, so episode 469, we are, we've are we got a question in and a bit of a discussion, which will fit in nicely with Belly of the Week. But first of all, friend of the pod, Des, who's hanging around in the chat, shout out to Des, has sent in uh, a question for us. Uh, Andy, I'll read this one out and you can let me know what you think. Des says, when box office events were introduced to the UK market, it was because of exceptional circumstances. We had Bruno, Lewis and Naz, who were huge stars with crossover appeal who transcended the sport. 
They were fighting for world titles against the best guys in the division. These cards were standalone main event attractions. Over the last 10 years, the product has been watered down. No disrespect, but the level has dropped, and Bellew, Clef, Brooke, Gavin, White, Rivas, and we could go on, are all pitched as box office events. Because of this considerable drop, pay-per-view cards have had to be stacked. They wouldn't sell otherwise. The last 10 years have seen promoters merge two or three ordinary fight night cards together and sell it as a pay-per-view event. Does Fury White need an undercard of substance, Andy? Do huge main events need propping up? I'd argue this one is old school and it's all about the main event. Side note, can anyone remember who was on the undercard of Pedroza, McGuigan, Ben Eubank, Lewis Tyson, Wilder, Fury 3? Uh, overall point there from Des, I think it, it's pretty fair there. What it's, great, so. it's a fair point, mate. As I, say, I, I see the usual kissers core in the, on, on the Twitter chat. They know who they are and that, talking about fucking undercard, Frank, love and shite. Look, they really want to talk about shite. Should we pull up the Anthony Joshua as in their music undercard back when they got fucking schooled? He'd launched a Coley fight, Dylan Prazoc. He'd Maxime Prodan fight, Florian Marku. Callum Smith fight, Lenny Castillo, who almost fucking killed the guy. And Campbell Hatton gone six rounds with Sonny Martinez. That, is that any worse or any better than what Frank's putting on for this? Of course it is, isn't it? But at the same time, it's, it's all about the main event. And we've seen it before. We've seen it hundreds of times. If you can give us a pay-per-view event that had maybe, say, three fights on it that have absolute quality, people will be over it. But you've, got, <laughs> but you've got a fight here that's costing 40 million quid or 40 million dollars, I forget what. What the fuck did they expect? This one actually hit the mainstream this week because they covered it on Talk Sports, Simon Jordan and Jim White, like, and had, I think they were having Frank on the phone and... You know, they were just laying the business on the table. That obviously the fucking money's going to the two fucking fighters in this situation. You get what you get, and nobody tuning in, and nobody that bought the ninety-four thousand, or a very small portion of them. And that's the reality. Have bought the tickets or put their hand in their pocket to to buy the fight based on the undercard. It's just a fucking reality. Like they're casuals. Ninety-four thousand people, like unbelievable. So they don't give a fuck about the undercard, man. They're all gonna be pissed up and fucking singing "Sweet Caroline" and whatnot. Like they don't care, like. Do you know what I mean? But I actually uh, saw a brilliant tweet on Twitter this week about the zone where a fella <laughs> with Canelo fighting on pay-per-view, Andre gone, Haney gone, uh, Garcia better do the business or else I'm out of here. I'm not going to be paying a subscription to watch Callum's fighting Davids. <laughs> <laughs> Just to interest you, right? Just uh, off the guy's question, and he says, does anybody remember the Pedroza McGuigan on the car? Well, I don't. Because I wasn't, a, I was five year old at the time. But I, I remember it seeing it. I pulled it up, and here's here's undercard. Davy Boy McCauley fought Bobby McDermott for a British title eliminator. Harry Coop fought Stuart Robinson. Now I heard of both of them. Simon Eubank fought Gary Muir. Dave Hegarty versus David John Irving, and Danny Lee versus uh, Roy Webb. Yeah. Who gives a fuck about the undercard? It's all about the main event at the end of the day. And it says if it's costing the got end of 40 million quid or 40 million dollars, whatever it is, what do you expect? What do you expect? And Eddie Hearn, man, they use him as a barometer for fucking some of the shit he's put on his undercards in the past. As you mentioned, the cleverly fucking Belgian <laughs> two undercard. But you, can, you have to be re- you have to be realistic. There's fucking exactly. in the Premier League. In the Premier League, there's like three fucking broadcasters who have it or whatever. Or whatever. Normally it's a monopoly. It used to be a monopoly for Sky. Nobody has the monopoly on boxing. There's fucking four or five different networks, five or six different promoters. They're all fucking pulling for their... So that's why you got 10 undercards, number one. And then num- number two, when you're spending 40 milli on the fucking main event, <laughs> the boys got to get their share. You know what I mean? Everybody has to get fed. Shut the fuck up. What do you want? Exactly, man. Get a life. I, I can actually remember one of the fights that was on the Pacquiao De La Hoya undercard 
off the top of my head. It was the first fight between Juan Lopez and uh, Daniel Ponce de Leon. I remember Matty staying up for the old, well, the back end of Tyson's career fights, like against Danny Williams and Clifford Etienne. And those undercards are some of the worst you've ever seen. You had like Holly, was it Christy Martin and yeah. all these ones? Oh my God. Yeah, they. Yeah, Trash general. Biggest fight of yeah, all time yeah. undercard was stinking. The Floyd Manny undercard was stinking. Remember Humming. that? Wasn't it Lomachenko some against someone that sucked? Ah, yeah, Lomachenko yeah. on the cards have been pretty poor, but it's the same with Floyd's on the cards, like Jesse Vargas fucking propping up the main this, 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 you know, the co-main event, so to speak, for the best part of fucking three or four years. Got a distance each time. And you, you just knew that Floyd was coming to go the distance as well over 12 rounds. You're like, fucking hell, man. But as I say, look, if, you, if, if you've got an event that's going to cost 40 million, then it doesn't need another undercard. Give him a couple of good, good two or three you quality fights, that and that's enough. Golden Boy on big nights. Golden Boy always gets yeah, yeah. yeah. Golden Boy's cards were class. Yeah, yeah. That's until Ricky right. Dicker came along here and fucked them over. Basically, it's HBO Golden, Golden Boy cards on a, on a big fight night were always stacked. Always. Someone's going to prove me wrong now. In the we'll get a life. Oh, no, but I think it's me right. Back look, look, we did with Amir Khan. You know, they brought him along gradually, and then they can put him straight in the deep end. Then look at Marcus Maidana after the. After the poly fight. You know, they know what fights look good on paper. You know, I mean, there's some cheap fighters that'll give you a damn good night's work. Uh, and we know what a fun fight is when we see it, whether it matters or not. And I, and I think that's 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 what they could do for us. I mean, okay, so you, you know, you don't want to pay for a big undercard. At least give us some of these guys that you can pick up for twenty thousand dollars to come and fight. That give a fucking hell of a good fight, and uh, and and put them there. So at least the people are entertained before the under before the main event. You know, at least entertain. Yeah, us. you're right there, Mike. You see, I would say uh, to, to, to Matty's point actually, if you've got a main event that's costing forty odd million, right? Is if you're going to pay washers for the for the undercard, then you need to go like the lower weight divisions because you know to, to get a good competitive fight or a world title fight, you need to go down the lower class weights because you're going to get like fifty, sixty thousand pound or dollars, whatever it is, to put on you know a, de- a decent scrap because you know these guys are, are cheaper compared to heavyweight title because it's the biggest title in sports. You, you remember as well, it's it's the biggest title in the world, the heavyweight title. The, he is the man. This is the big, big fight, isn't it, Anthony? Isn't it Anthony Joshua or Yuzik? Tyson Fury is the man, and that is it. So, if it's forty million, I don't care. The undercard is poor. We, we accept that, but anyway, it's all about the main event. That's all it's about. And then once we get this out the road, then we get Joshua Yuzik out the road. We might then get what we want to see: the undisputed title. Um, I'm skeptical, but hopefully, it, it is all about. It is, I was going to say, Matty, it is all about the main event. And I think that's the spirit of Desi's point as well. Originally, pay-per-view was all about, you know, you have to get the best fighters together. And if it takes the extra money, that pay-per-view, to, to make that happen, then that's what we have it for. And it was all about the main event. And I think over the years, it's been watered down to kind of uh, back up the fact that, oh, you know, the main event, it may be not that great, but we're putting on a quality undercard. It's stacked, you know, this word stacked, to justify the fact you're putting it on pay-per-view as taking it away from the fact that it's been all about the main event, you know, a weaker main event like a white Rivas, as Des mentioned, or wasn't didn't Frank put one on? It was like the Magnificent Seven. 
that, you know, that's a case of only seven fights, didn't you? And it wasn't about just one fight. And that's where they've watered down pay-per-view, I think. That's maybe the spirit of what does is That magnificent seven card was, was, was going to be great until it started falling apart. Mm. The premise of it was really good, but it just didn't materialise fully. But that was a collective, wasn't it, as well? Yeah. It wasn't just one fight. It was based yep. on the fact that there was all these different fights. And that's where this quote-unquote stacked undercard has come from in pay-per-views, when realistically, it's all about the main event, as, as which White well, Fury is. Well, and you have to, you know, think of it like, and we came went through a period where there weren't very many pay-per-views whatsoever. We were kind of blessed, you know, that last five years or so, um, it's been kind of good. Um, you know, just a couple, two, three a year. Um, but, um, it's, it's getting worse again. And, uh, it's, um, you think here in the States right now, um, over the next six weeks, seven, six, seven, um, I'm going to have to pay for, uh, Spence versus Ugas. I'm going to have to pay for Fury versus White. Team stream. I'm There's going to have choice, to, Matthew. I'm going to have to pay for Canelo versus Bevel. And I'm going to have to pay for Davis versus Romero. That's getting a little heavy. What does that tell you? How much that, does that cost you then, Alan? You need to get onto the stream scene. That's like know. 300 bucks. Like, Fuck where, where know, are the man. super chats? Help me out here. Yeah, um, my, I've actually got, you, you can't really see it, but I've actually got an L put to my forehead just now, aimed at you. Yeah. Loser. Get you yourself a fire you stick, it? baby. We do. What's the yeah, and, like, you know, it's just, it is what it is, man. It's uh, I, have, <laughs> I have capitalist morals, so and it's a, it's a product. So it it is what it is. But I I think they're definitely pushing uh, to a certain point, and and there might come a time where I'm just like, well, I just uh, you know, won't uh, won't get one or the other or something like that. Period. And uh, you know, I'll check YouTube. Uh, you know, after each fight ends, because there's always something up there for about an hour, right? Um, so you do what you got to do in that point in time, but it's, they're, they're pushing the boundaries at this point in time. If they're going to keep asking for us to pay for a product roughly monthly, you know, this is a little odd in this period, but let's say roughly monthly, if it's going to be that often, there needs to be quite a lot provided on that product more than just the main event. Well, it's like Eddie Hearn says, isn't it? I mean, excuse my language, but fuck pay-per-view. He's right at the end of the day. Yeah, Eddie, yeah, Eddie nailed one. Was dead, he, he got to be the Eddie nailed that one. Big fights, apparently. Even Ed. No <laughs> fights for you. No fights for you, baby. Even yeah. Ed. It's it it it's and it's it's frustrating, but it's we'll we'll see how it shapes out. It's a a really tight period in here, and it's really odd to have a UK fight on pay per view in the in the afternoon in the states. That is a really strange occurrence. Um, so that one, you know, just kind of throw that as a black swan there. Uh, shout out to Des, who has uh, succinctly uh, teed up my point onto his point. Back onto his point, he says, huge fights have never had undercards. This is a new Bullshit. trend. Bullshit. Floyd Canelo. Floyd Canelo had... Bullshit. I think that's straight saying that the main event is not pay-per-view. Or the Floyd, other. I don't Floyd think Can- he's talking about this fight specifically. No. But no. Floyd Canelo had fucking uh, Garcia Matisse on there. And that was he's a- talking about the transition of pay-per-view. Uh, here we go again. He says, what Eddie started doing was merging two to three fight nights and calling it a pay-per-view event. That's what I was saying as well. Failure to make big fights and build stars. This event is a standalone <coughs> main event card. There you go, Matty. I cleverly bail you too. Uh, undercard was absolute fucking dog shit, man. Oh, yeah. I, I'll never forget that. I came on and we did a post <laughs> for that. Now I was sleeping. I was sleeping. <laughs> 
Dude, didn't, fucking hell, English, man. Wasn't one of, didn't Bellew have a fight with Isaac Chalemba that was one of the shittiest fucking fights in the history of mankind? Yeah, two, yeah. didn't he? Didn't he fight Chalemba twice? The second, the second fight, because he got dropped twice off Chalemba, remember? And they went, I think there was no draw. And the fucking second Let's fight. Let's see him. I, I ain't taking punches, mate. I'm going to be on the back foot all fucking night. Yeah, that's what he fucking did. Bored the pants off us, by the way. <sighs> mate. It always comes back to Tony. Especially for Bellew of the Week. Episode 469, Andy's with us, Rob's here, Matty's here at the moment, he might disappear shortly, but we'll enjoy him as long as we have him. Talking to Tony, why not let him lead us into this Bellew of the Week? I've told you what to do, ban them for life. My thing would be, fail, fail the steroids, officially you've took steroids, you've injected the needle, ban them for life. Ban them for life. No ifs or buts, you fail for performance enhancing drugs, you're banned for life. It seems to be people saying to you, and this is also towards Eddie Hearn as well, that it's one. it seems to be one rule for one and one rule for another. If anybody fails a drug test, for performance enhancing drugs, they've been injecting steroids, ban them for life. I don't care who it is. I don't want to go on about Billy Joe, I just feel for him. I know I know the kind of person Billy Joe is. He's a good lad, he's one of the boys. And let me tell you, mate, cheating just wouldn't be in his yet. It's just it's just wrong, mate. He's been given something and it's wrong. It's wrong. And he must be furious as well. He must be furious because you're tarnishing the lad's name and it's just not in. It's just not in. Tony just suck a dick for that. There you go. Fuck Tony Bellew then. <laughs> oh, Tony. Oh, sorry, Anthony. Oh, Tony died. So I forgot about that. Even Anthony, in their own time. Get a band for life, mate. Yeah. I wonder how the gear's going to be at the clubs these days, you know. Well, who's the car's back? Okay, <laughs> <laughs> Reversing over Rob. Uh, that was Boxing Squared, by the way. I put that together. Shout out to him, her, they, them, listener. He put that in for us a while ago, and it's always a fan favourite, much like this one. Eddie's back in action as well. Eddie Hearn wants Ryan Garcia to fight Maxi Hughes in the UK next. We're <laughs> <laughs> we talking a stadium fight or something, apparently. Oh, fuck. I uh, where, where was it? Oh, where's Maxi from again? Field or something, I don't know. It? Well, it's not Huddersfield from Town, is it? No. Not sure. Fucking hell. I mean... Ryan Garcia fucking probably that nah, is the man I'm going to say it. Ryan Garcia yeah, in Huddersfield saying... Andy think he's in it all oh can you imagine I'm trying to fucking hump the slags in fucking Huddersfield Jesus Christ my imagine the baby mamas fuck fucking didn't didn't feed their bairns fucking Rivitas and fucking Revels and all that type of shit <laughs> he's fucking been in there he's been in Huddersfield might be might be a slight culture shock for him <laughs> he's used to trading in different territory, maybe. <laughs> he's probably used to birds drinking like such, like cocktails, but as he goes to Huddersfield, he sees the bins fucking drinking pints of lager, you know? <laughs> pints of Stella. <laughs> Wife beater, or man beater, as we wind up calling it, you know? Joe Goosen having a pint with him in the pub. <laughs> with denim on. At the Alfred McAlpine Stadium, I don't know if it's called that now, but it was back in the day when I visited. Alfred McAlpine, jo- what Joe Goosen come there and everyone's wearing denim already. <laughs> <laughs> Got <laughs> tracksuits. Everyone's so healthy around here. 
<laughs> shell suits, sorry. Shell suits is shell the call. Shell suits are on the way back, Andy. So it's on the way one the other day. I oh. see the mafia's back wearing them again, actually. <laughs> oh, good old Ryan. Uh, we have more from this fella coming up later, but here's a little sneak peek. Shout out to Sam in the patreon.com forward slash boxing asylum. Who created this? Fresh off the back of Holt last week, there, there's some creativity going on there in the Nutters group, Andy. What's he got the British flag up there for? What the fuck's it's all that about? Is he expecting is he expecting an Imperial invasion somewhere? It's legacy of lies, it's not fifty-five titles. That's what it means. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, I'm telling you, that's ring what John's brother, by the way. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> He's probably, he's probably had cancer that he didn't fucking tell us it had yet. It looks like a fucking 50 cent mixtape cover from the early 2000s. What the fuck is going on here, man? <laughs> oh, the boys working overtime. More on Diamante to come later. Back to uh, King Roy, zone After 15 months out, Ryan Garcia is back. Don't miss the highly anticipated return. The most anticipated returns in boxing, George Foreman, coming back after 10 years. Eventually knocked out Michael Moore, Vinnie Paz as well, Muhammad Ali's return, Mike Tyson coming out of prison, back in the ring, and then Ryan himself after 15 months uh, due to health and wellness. He was back against Emmanuel Tego and uh, one of the most anticipated returns in boxing. I, I love this, by the way. So, like, Foreman's retired. You've got uh, Mike Tyson in prison for rape. You've got Muhammad Ali denied a boxing license. And then you've got fucking Vinnie Paz coming off a car crash, absolutely obliterated spinally, Mike Tyson wise. <laughs> fucking then you've got Ryan Garcia who's getting baby arms up a tree and fucking he's got a mental health problem. Now, I'm not going to make light of the mental health problem, obviously, and that. But at the end of the day, if you go about fucking about in life, then mental health is going to catch up with you because you wonder, why me? Why me all the time? So. Crying, yeah, Ryan. Crying, uh, crying Garcia, as, as, as I call him these days. So fucking. Yeah, look, it wasn't the most anticipated ring returns because you know why? Because your man who's talking here didn't even fucking watch it. So that says its own story. Yeah, I'll shout out to Ryan and his comeback. Uh, Mick Shenzi uh, says Prime Gad is honing in now. He's got a new uh, target. Michaela Mayer talks about studying footage in preparation for her next fight. No doubt the guard was uh, studying a bit of footage himself. I think I've got more, more of a pro style, she says. He's off the ebony train and he's on with Michaela Mayer. So shout out to the guard. He's uh, turning his sights elsewhere. It's good for him there. Looks like he's having a good time anyway. Uh, Jay I'm says, a little parlay. <laughs> little parlay. Jay says, stay to this tweet. Please enroll this into the top 10 all-time belly of the weeks from Johnny G. Maratta looks a little too happy after this L. The fight looks fixed, if you ask me. Good solid up. belly of the week. Not sure about <laughs> top 10 of all time, though. I heard about this one, right? And to be honest with you, I actually seen even worse when I seen somebody's tweet about uh, it's, it's un-Japanese to throw the towel on. I was like, What? So apparently it's like because Japanese just send their guys out to like fucking like yeah, samurai warriors basically just fucking fight to the death. Like, it's <laughs> unbecoming of the Japanese just throw the fucking towel. Like, what the fuck is going on? Don't think they all have to live up to that standard, do they? Surely. Hell, man. <laughs> Jesus Christ! What the fuck is it? Fucking Emperor Hirohito we've got here, by <laughs> some sort of god that's fucking fight. What the fuck? Murata, you have shamed us. Fucking hell. <laughs> I couldn't believe oh. it. I was reading this. Like, some of these guys come out with these hot takes. It's just outrageous, man. Can you imagine it? It's on Japanese to throw the fucking towel and well, they threw the towel in the forty-five when the fucking two nuke bombs landed, didn't they? <laughs> Jesus oh Christ! Oh, poor Morata. No sympathy. Uh, Eddie Hearn is uh, 
give himself a pat on the back for making Taylor Serrano, New York City, Canelo, Bivol in the T-Mobile, uh, back-to-back April 30th, May the 7th, truly blessed, b- b- blessed even. Uh, Rob uh, Boxing True says, I'll never criticise your undercards ever again, and I apologise for doing so. Oh, <laughs> I haven't even seen the undercard for that fight. Who's on it again? I have no idea. You might say it, I'll pull it up. I'd better apologise, Andy, if it's not up to scratch. Ron Jones yeah. nominated him anyway. Hey, Taylor, here we are. Hey, I'm going to box Rick. And we have Jesse Vargas against Liam Smith. Austin Williams against Jordel Booker. Franchon Cruz Derzon against Ellen Cedros. Some <laughs> sort of women's unification. In fact, it's four belt unification, actually. Galal, your fight's having his second pro fight. Yeah, it's stacked card, mate. It's got me fucking creaming over this shit. Apology incoming from you, Andrew. Oh, what, mate? Sorry. Apology Can he wait? Can he wait? Can he wait to get a life if you're not looking forward to that one? Uh, Sky Nicholson, London Knights, puts up a photo. John Collias jumps in. Warrior in the ring, femme fatale by night. <laughs> you, you and Evans. Thirsty, baby. Thirsty. <laughs> <laughs> you always get these accounts though don't you these boys and they put like the rudest of shit under these women's accounts and then you go onto their bio and it's like always treat women with respect uh, you know what I love with Danny, Danny Robson's account is you see me see tweets like this he actually goes under the profile picture and gets a, an enhanced picture of the actual profile it's like a guy in their 50s who's not had a shag in about 20 years you know or, he, or he's like he's like fucking five, five knuckle duster and he's fucking cocked every night because he can't get any you know Basically, boxroom virgins is the they call me. He thought, he thought it was just us. Here's another one: Nicola Hurricane Hopewell. Remember the name? Hashtag Team Hurricane. Just walking for five minutes after my 8K run. Stacy Smith jumped in. Oh, fuck he it. says, "Get this woman on an undercard, Eddie. Give her a shot, and you'll have yet another world champion on your books." Why Eddie Hearn says Richie and Stacy says. Because out of the promoters currently, nobody is pushing women's boxing harder. None have the same connections or ability to make international fights of the same standard as Matchroom. Boxer is the other route, but not as well connected. Certainly not at the lower weights. Don't you dare talk about Boxer like that and Ben Shalom. Ben Shalom, man. He's connected everywhere, man. He's a how man. F- Look at him. How the fuck does this fella know what other promoters' connections are? Like, oh, no, no, Frank Warren has no word, uh, no road to Shelly Finkel. I know he's these got, things. He's, he's, not got he's not got Rolodex to get some phone numbers to phone somebody to try and get a connection to put me in touch with someone else, for example. You know, it, it can't happen, possibly can't happen. Fuck's sake, get a life. This is a favourite of Aussies, isn't it? This Stacey Smith, he's honed uh, in on him before, I think. He fucking hates that person. He's a bloke <laughs> as well, eh? he fucking hates him. He's like, this cunt, he fucking hates him. He's, he's <laughs> not Stacey Keats, put it that way. An absolute disgrace. Um, uh, BTR Boxing Podcast Network. <laughs> this is a network, no less. Uh, this fish and chip shop in the UK has nailed it with their dedication to Tyson Fury, the Chipsy King. For what I heard, uh, true story, I think uh, they, they ran out of peas that day, so just put an S instead. <laughs> Rage that I didn't bring the Chipsy King to Wexford, man, that would have been amazing. Fuck it. <laughs> Ball dropped there, fuck's sake, the Gypsy King. Well, here, Andy, I was just checking out where it is, actually, and uh, it says the phone number on the top is 01463, I think that is. Let's have a look here. I thought it would be 999, mate. 01463 is 
Uh, Ross, Inverness and Ross. Inverness? That's what it says. Be four hours for me, mate, so fuck it. Tim, he gets to me, he'll be called anyway. Oh, I thought remember uh, that, that reminded me. Remember the time Ozzy fucking read out Father Dave's number on the air. <laughs> Sorry, got a contact number for Father Dave. Actually, if you want to get him at the fucking vicarage, it's fucking. Oh man. He's probably blessed the wine just now, though. That's no problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The blood of Christ. The blood of Christ. Oh, uh, Iron champion says furiosity to wash it all down with. Right. <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> what, what, what more could you ask for on a Saturday in Inverness other than uh, play the chips from the Gypsy King and the Furiosity to wash it down? For God's sake. Uh, sounds like uh, Isaac Lowe's ideal night out. Connor Ben says, Numbers don't lie. I will be world champion soon. It's a matter of time. Rome wasn't built in a day. School is never out. Hashtag top five. James Rathbone94 says, Connor versus Errol Spence is a cracker. I'd back Connor over anyone. <laughs> Guy Kavanagh has nominated him for that one, though. He's got eight retweets, so he, he, he hit his target, basically. You know, oh. He got what he wanted. He had his retweets. He had his fucking favourites as well. So He's been ratioed there. Here he is, Rob. The oh. Mayweverse. Thank you. We are over 100,000 members on Discord. The money team can't be stopped. Retweet if you are with us. Well, I did retweet <laughs> from the account, naturally, but not, not to get onto Discord with Floyd, anyway. <laughs> May, I think I'm in the May we're first we set up tonight, to be honest with you. <laughs> it's right cracking here. Uh, you know, I'm in the great room as we speak. Um, great with the skeletons With the metaskeletons in the back like the fucking Cobra Kai. I don't know what's going on with Fly, man. He seems to be... Um, he announced the press conference this week. Yeah, he? That he's having a fight on a roof that he announced before, but because Javante Tank Davis was having a press conference this week, he decided to steal the fucking limelight on his own fighter because his... Ego is so fragile. He always does this. If Canelo has a big fight coming up, he'll have a big fight coming up. He'll fucking put, he'll pull a stunt or he'll put up a picture of him beating Canelo every time Canelo beats someone. He's the most salty, petty, fragile ego great fighter I've ever seen. I've never seen a great fighter with such a fragile ego. Like a lot of them do have fragile egos, but his seems to be the most fragile. Like he's in you bits. That picture to say he's, he's off the gear. Fuck it, but he's looking kind of skinny in that picture. So he's off the gear these days, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you know, great, great, great fighter, one of the best. But fuck me, like, what is he at at the moment? But you know, maybe, maybe I'm wrong because I don't know how to fucking speculate on the in the fucking in the metaverse. Do you know what I mean? What the fuck? Am I? I'm going to be left out in the field when everyone else is in the fucking metaverse. It's not going to be nice for me like, in the future. You can, make a, you can make a million, a million metaverse dollars and still can't fucking spend the cunts, man. What the fuck? Can you spend the shit on, by the way? So uh, tell me, if, if I was to buy in it, right, and get, get like a, a million dollars off it, or a million metal... Just, it, nobody it, knows, and then people buy it off you. Can I buy a you. fucking Aston Martin off it or something like but that? The, the thing, yeah, but the thing is, right, you don't know what you're buying, but nobody else knows what you're buying. So when you buy it, you just put the price up, and some other fucking idiot comes in and buys it, then it's all a fucking giant Ponzi, as far as I can see. <laughs> and I'm all for it if I can make some fucking paper out of it. I just can't figure it out. Fucking Metascold, that's <laughs> Maybe the Boxing Asylum needs to be exists solely in the Mayweverse in the future. Maybe we should holler at Floyd and put that to him. We've got the numbers. We've got the numbers to back it now. You know what I mean? Just Floyd, give us a fucking break in the Mayweverse. <laughs> Eddie Hearn, what, he's slipping out of fucking, you know, not a chat, that type of thing? No fucking thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Get a life, join the Mayweverse. Oh, in the great God. room as well. Some oh, great room. Uh, unorthodox Boxing Gear has been nominated by Leon Taraborelli. 
He says, source immediate say that Marshall versus Shields better not be pay-per-view. Are you serious? This is the biggest, most exciting fight ever in female <laughs> boxing, and these ladies deserve to be paid. Tell you what, though, it's a good fight, isn't it? Like, come on, let's not sit on the fucking Gwalt versus Big Savannah. Like, that's a that's a terrible we want to see, isn't it? We see that last week, though, we're happy yeah. to see that fight. Yeah, come on, pay per view, though. Poor Matty's already having to shell out for four pay per views, Rob. Is that on pay per view, is it? No, but this guy's about... calling for it to be on pay per view. Fucking hell, man. Ben Salam's not going to put that on pay per view. Great guy, Ben Salam. No, no. Exactly, man. He's not wanting to pick and pick uh, Amir Khan and Mikel because he cares about his fighters. Exactly. Eddie Herman runs Amir Khan if he's fucking senses by this point because he was all about the pound note. Even Ed. Even Ed. <laughs> right. A final one. This might be hard to beat. Even the Colonel last week tried to give him a good run for his money. But I was alerted to this during the week from uh, Relax over on Twitter. Huds underscore South. Shout out to him. He did all the heavy lifting and tweeted me in from 2017. Nets Daily. Back in the day, a certain Mr. David Diamante was calling for the Brooklyn Nets basketball team. And there was an interesting article. He had an unfortunate incident, did Diamante. Quite similar to a recent one, actually. Uh, the former <laughs> public Nets announcer, uh, talking about his life, said he's feeling super blessed. That's despite barely surviving a nearly fatal motorcycle accident on March the 10th, 2017, in San Francisco. The accident resulted in breaks in six places, five in the arm, a tibia fracture, abnormally large bruises, countless hours of physical therapy, and a miraculous recovery that saw him riding again less than two months later and calling games... Two days later, uh, so in his six years, I've never missed a game, he says. The accident happened on March the 10th. He flew back, uh, finished the season, blah, blah, blah. And then Diamante went on to say that it was a near-death experience. He wasn't going to give up uh, bikes and the arm was hanging off. I was lucky to be alive. My arm actually broke off my body. The meat alone was keeping his arm there, says David. <laughs> so let me, let me get this right. This guy is like, he takes stem cells and... <laughs> <laughs> what's, the, what's going on with this guy is he, is he going to be like a fucking Netflix documentary in about two years time where he's some kind of fucking serial sick fucking per- he you know what I mean? just he can't fucking... ride a motorbike and he's fucking he's literally out of hospital with him two days walking like a rock has he got some kind of like I don't know like some fucking I met him I met him in Riga actually. he was actually brand new honestly he was a brand new guy I said look you know you know, I like your jig, you know, for example. I, I like the way he, you know, announces fights. It's not everybody's cup of tea. He's trying to bring back the old school type of announcement. I like the kind of surname, you know, repeated twice if you listen to some, or watch some of the old fights. <laughs> Never came across as a bullshit. Maybe, but maybe is... he was just telling the story twice, like he says the name twice at the end of the book. <laughs> exactly. So it's like he's like, he needs to, he needs to go for the hat trick now. But clearly, he needs to get off the motorbikes. Yeah, 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 he needs to get off the motorbikes because it might be fucking, you know, sometime unlucky. Time, he know. needs to start showing championship mentality now. Exactly. Like, he, if he's going exactly. to survive in this game. I'm coming on a paraglider at a zone event or something. Uh, like, like Del Trotter fucking crashing. Like the fan man. And an aerial. Like Uncle in. Albert falling in the cellar in it, this man. <sighs> oh, I, I met him as well, Andy, like you, man, in Boston. In a little did I know the hand that I shook. Just hanging off. off just a year before. Those are fake hands. Exactly. <laughs> you just knew that you didn't know that time. This could be this could be Ringwalk John's brother from another mother. Right, that is amazing. I can't believe that he's been so unlucky to have fucking snow, and then been so lucky to recover both times. Such quick fucking. I mean, that's. That's impressive powers of recovery. If only Anthony Joshua could get, could get some of what he has. What a fight like, movie. 
As we say, Steve's bit back up is you have a Legacy of Lies part one, two. You can almost rival the Godfather, I actually hear the amount of stories you can tell. Legacy of Lies, look at that. <laughs> <laughs> we need to get him on a road trip, Andy. Him, Errol, Vinnie Paz. Uh, who else can we get in there? Morris Hooker. Uh, uh, Paul Williams. <laughs> uh, Ghost Chico Corrales. <laughs> Honestly, man, I mean, I'm not sure about the brand and the retweets these days, but fucking Nazim Hamid. Nazim Hamid. Amir Khan. I'm here, yeah. Yeah, I'm here, the reissue. Everyone can have a turn. Don't worry, lads. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone can have a push and a pull on the cards. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> I cannot believe that, man. That is unbelievable. Damn, Andy. Oh. Unbelievable stuff. Like, he had the exact same story in a different state five years earlier. Maybe there's one in Honolulu as well. He was out here surfing and then he took a fucking motorcycle and smashed up the... Oh, I don't know. He was on... Andy, you listened to it. I haven't listened to it for a while. Tris Dixon's Boxing Life Story, someone was saying. And he, I think he might... I don't know whether he told a few tales on there. You kind of would be calling them into question there. I might have to go back and listen to that. I've not seen... I've not listened to Diamante one to be honest with me. Neither have I. Ever since the lockdown, I've not listened to as many podcasts as to what I used to, actually, because obviously mm-hmm. I'm more on the go as, as, as much as what I was in that, but... I would need to maybe go and pick, when was it actually sort of curiosity? I mean, I'm not sure. Away. There's a, there's a whole box wreck thread going on about it. It's very, oh, um, it's very Colonel-esque. Suspect. Isn't it? suspect. It's very Colonel-esque and it's fucking. Because there was something. Yeah. Remember, remember I asked Donnie actually. There was there was something checking. Um, I think it was Ranger Rollins. They checked some sort of medical database. If it never gave the names of the date of birth of the guys who or people who got made in the hospital, but he apparently checked. The time frame and it says there was nobody about you to hospital but I bought a bike accident about that time I'm saying to myself fucking hell he just got up and walked it off you baby what did yeah, you do? Exactly. go to the hospital and David Diamante no much it's sponging cold water run it off baby you better roll jacks you better roll jacks here you go his legs are shaky Adam oh, <laughs> oh dear right anyway that's the all the ones I've got Andy any nominations from you very quiet for me this week mate but I've got one for uh, Kate Abdo She's talking to Errol Spence about the situation. He's saying that I've got PTSD after the car accident and revealed he had been in another car accident. In the meantime, she's actually even tagged in order to try and get some traction on her tweet. Tagged in the one and only Mickey Benson. Fuck me, man. Mickey Benson. I was raging. I was feeling fucking Michael Benson got me a clout over fucking I can't have done what I've got. Fucking hell. That's bad for man. That's poor for Mickey Benson's yeah. smooth with us. The SDA, just that big nose twat, like fucking Carol Frotch. <laughs> <laughs> well, that wasn't uh, what I meant, and he was That's what I mean. That's what I mean. Uh, I'll throw in Eddie Hearn for trying to get Alicia Baumgartner to fight fucking, what her name was, was it? Uh, I think it's Michaelad Elm. I guess she's, yeah, she's from France on one week's notice. So he decides to bring in Lucas Matisse's sister, who is like 45. On five days notice, so uh, yeah, the other card is stacked and bitching, baby. That's all I've got this week, mate. Lovely stuff, uh, Rob. Any from you, please? No, I thought the, I thought the guy that, that did the. Robin the Winter, all there. <laughs> the Diam- Chuckles just done a blinder there, hasn't he? In the chat, he said that the fucking Diamante Legacy of Lies looks like a Rob Kelly mixtape in 10 years' time. <laughs> 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 so that was pretty good. Like, but Chuckles yeah, no, nothing is. 
That's not even that's the real chocolate. Like, is that, is that like, the, how do we know that's the fake chocolate? Yeah. For fuck's sake, man. What's going on? Real chocolate should play with us. <laughs> Sleep in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> Good old chocolate tumbling down the rabbit hole like Alice. Uh, the so two, the two can Dan Jason sat in the corner asleep with the two cans. <laughs> <laughs> Drawing dicks and fucking vaginas on his forehead and that, you know. Setting, mm-hmm. you know, or just, yeah, you know, put a strip of sellotape across his eyebrows and just ripping it off, you know. No, my eyebrows, my eyebrows, bitch, are you fucking, my fucking, fucking eyebrows. The, ch- the Chukwu verse. <laughs> fake Chukwu says he is the real Chukwu. We don't believe your lies, fake Chukwu. Anyway, yeah, um, it's, got, it's got to be the one and only for me, Andy. It's got to be old legacy yeah, of lies himself, man. They say the time has come. Yes, it has. Diamante. Diamante has won the belly of the week. Yeah, I'll vote Diamante, mate. <laughs> Uh, two for Diamante, Bob. Who you going I for? I said the time has come. I'm going to go for Diamante. 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 Uh, David Diamante, congratulations. You are the Belly of the Week winner for episode 469. And that is where we shall leave it. We've had a good laugh as always this evening. Rapping Rob Kelly's been with us. Andy Patterson as well. And shout out to Matty DiGelonardo. He's off to work to pay for all those pay-per-views. Uh, shout out to Joe Burns as well. Just the one super chat from these tight bastards this week. Joe Burns throwing it in earlier. Thank you to you. And also thank you to Easy to Remember 9000 for his account upgrade over on patreon.com forward slash boxing asylum. We'll be here next week for episode 470. Living it up as always. In the meantime, have yourself a good week. I've been Steve Wellings. Take care and bye. We'll never forget. Yeah, we just got that we want to be honest, yeah. Crying like a little bitch. I've never met a fucking so I can fight me. I fell asleep. I fell asleep. You're a fucking bomb. You're a fucking asshole. Rumpo fucking stealth skin. But allegedly, Oscar Rivas has has failed has failed a test. Seven year eight. Seven year eight. I will fucking smash fucking you. I hope you fucking die. Be safe. I love boxing sounds. Simple as that. Sports Social Podcast Network.